Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly. You're here with Matthew Fisher and my co-host with the most, Mr. Ray Boone. Ray, how you doing over there? Not bad, how about you? Not too bad, not too shabby. You know, celebrating a new, another year around the sun. We were talking about uh, birthday, my birthday, 38 years, 38 Lodge. You know, and we were talking about, uh, what do you think? Uh, we talk about all the, the, the death and all those good things on the show so much. And I feel like I have a, a good standing with my where I'm at in life. I don't want to die, but I feel like I'm I'm almost at a peaceful thing. And I, I know I have many years left, but it's one of those things where, uh, we started the discussion a little bit before. It's like, what, what is what is the thing that scares people the most when they go, oh, you know, the birthday, when people don't want to talk about their birthday coming up or something like that, and their age getting older, you know what I mean? Uh, that's because they don't, they don't want to face dying. It's the death thing, yeah. It's, um, and as soon as you, I think when you come to grips with the, the you know, the peacefulness of it, um, that eliminates that anyways, like we've talked about on the show, you know, just the fact that we talk about the subjects we do, I think, uh, you know, helps you kind of find a peace with the whole ordeal, but it's interesting, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel, uh, uh numerous people have asked, do you feel older? And I don't know. There was other ages that I felt, I remember feeling that while we're older, like I want to say when I turned 35, for some reason, I want to say 35 was like, ooh, yeah. Like, I felt getting old on that one. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, no, the 38 was all right. Ray, you just turned 32, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Did I get the numbers reversed? Is my dyslexia kicking in? Uh, let's see. Last no, last month I hit 70. Booyakasha! Out of mostly ghostly, happy birthday to you, sir. Well, I'll tell you something. You hit that and people start going, oh my God, or I don't believe it. When you're young, you're looking at something like 70 and going, oh, you know, oh wow, that's old. Then you hit it and you go, so? At least my attitude is like, yeah, so I'm not slowing down or doing anything different. Right. I think what, I, what a lot of people have is they'll take a look at something like that and they'll go, oh, and people put so much faith in numbers and then they say, okay, uh, and average lifespan is such, such, oh no, I don't have much left. There's numbers. Up. All you got is now. You got this moment. You got no guarantee five minutes from now what's going to happen. Yeah. So you just, you just live at some point that's over. You move on to the next plane and you keep going. It's just a number, you know, it's weird because when I was younger, I remember like when you're a kid and you see people that are like, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, I threw 40 in there because I was getting close to it, but mainly like your 50s and 60s. And it felt like when you were a kid, the people that were in their 50s and 60s were like, look like they were in their 70s or 80s. You know what I mean? I don't know what the vibe was with that. But no, now it's, I don't know if it's just like a younger living, younger look that everybody has. But yeah, you see, you you don't look like you're 70 years old. You know what I mean? Well, I think as far as that whole numbers things, like people go through the uh, midlife crisis. Yeah. Like, oh, what did I do with my life? And this, well, stop. What are you doing right now? So what you want to do? No. Okay, do what you want to do. You should do that at any age. Oh, yeah. Never too late. Never too late. Never too early. 
You just turn around and go, hey, what do I want to be? How do I want to live? And you do it. Yeah, I, I, I tell people that all the time. People say, you know, they do, they do something they don't like. And anything can be changed. It might take a little bit of work, you know, but it, it, you can change anything. If there was anything about yourself you didn't like, whether it was physical, emotionally, mental, I think with the work, with hard work, you could change anything about yourself if you wanted to. I, I, I agree with that. I also think that when people, like you said, they're afraid of dying, yeah. When they're looking at death, they're looking at the body. And we've talked about all the gross things you go through when they embalm you. Right. And it's over. And uh, they're so hooked on the body that they stop living. I mean, there's, they're, you know, like someone who, oh, I got to do the gyms six times a week and I got to do this and do that. Uh, well, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Yeah, you take care of yourself. But, you know, forget the body when you pass over. Um, that's, that's a glorious part there. You go into your true form into into spirit. Uh, let the body go. Don't, don't obsess on it. Just keep living now and then transition over. True. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Yeah. You know, they, the people get this little, there's a little bit of uh, superstition in there. I will say with getting older, you know, superstition, which one? Just getting older in general. They say, you know, if you are, they say, if you get old enough, you'll die. That's superstition. <laughs> I've heard that before. I've heard that's an old wives' tale I heard. But do you really die or do you transcend? Does just your body die? Your body's dying. You transcend. What a, what a you know, the, the unfortunate body, the flesh that's left behind uh, falls apart, you know. Unfortunate for it. It was just, it was temporary to begin with. Yeah. It's just a physical vehicle for you to experience this life, uh, to learn and to grow and then to move on. There's such an attachment to the body and to the soul and the flesh. I wonder if there's some type of last exchange in, in the final goodbye, so to speak. Well, you know what I mean? I wonder if there's a little, uh, uh, a feeling or, uh, you know, some type of clarity or something that, that, that overcomes, you know, um, during that time. Cause you know, you, you spend so much time. I know it's just an article of clothing, so to speak, but you spend so much time with it. You know what I mean? People have, people will have a, a keychain that they've had for 10 years and they lose it and it, it bums them out. You know what I mean? We're talking about your body now. We're talking about the, the the working force of your life. Your body really is like the the um, the work for the, you know the workhorse of your life. You know what I mean? For the time being, in this physical plane, in this incarnation, if you take into account the fact that the universe itself, the best scientists can say, is something like thirteen, fourteen billion years, well, you haven't had a body for that whole time. You've had awareness only for now. And it's it's going to keep going. I think it's, uh, what is it, like three, four billion years from now, the sun's going to go supernova and uh, the earth's going to be crisp. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a very temporary thing. We like to think of ourselves as, more, as immortal in the body. We're immortal in the soul, not the body. It's just a stopping point. It's uh, You go on a vacation, you stop somewhere for a little while, you move on. you got some memories. Well, our, our soul or our essence has stopped for a little while in this uh, 
this earth plane, this reincarnation, has picked up some memories and some lessons and it moves on. The body is slave to the mind. And the, the, the mind is corrupted by the world. You've got to find your spirit. You've got to find your soul to transcend that. I remember every now and then on the show, we stumble into something that would make a great band name or an album name. And that right there is one of them too. It was, it's a two, it's a long one. It's the first part is the body is the slave to the mind. And then that second thing you said, that that's the second half of the title. It's a, for our death metal band. I like that. I could work. I support that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, today's episode, we were going to talk a little bit about superstition a little bit. Um, you know, we were diving in a little bit and, you know, superstition by definition, uh, ex- excessively credulous belief in and uh, the reverence for supernatural beings. You know what I mean? So superstition, they kind of classify as just believing in the paranormal, so to speak, you know. Um, which isn't a far-fetched idea. Some people, I guess, would assume that to be, but, you know, throughout the years, superstition, when you say, ooh, they're superstitious, you know, um, the black cat, you know, stuff like that has kind of been made a mockery a little bit of, uh, you know what I mean? So that caught my eye is the fact that superstition is really just anybody that believes that paranormal is a reality, which is a lot of people. But Colin, now, you know, so realistically, all those people would be called superstitious, and superstitious, being called superstitious is being called like a dullard or a dummy, you know what I mean, almost. Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. Uh, it's more of that, you know, almost conspiracy theory thing where they kind of, they, 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 they come up with a name, you know, to make, to kind of diminish and uh, take away from what, what's being done or the belief, you know what I mean? Well, you have some people that have a need to believe there's more. Yeah. And they will embrace superstitions or they will embrace stories. You also have the people, the deniers, who are so focused on the world that uh, they're criticizing everybody who has a belief in more than the world. Right. It, it goes both ways there. I feel sorry for the deniers because they're missing so much. Mm-hmm. In, uh, and holding on to, like we were saying, the body in this world. And not realizing there is something just much greater than uh, all of this that uh, we're walking through right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know the conspiracy theory term, theorist term, came in with the JFK assassination. And they would, they just used it to kind of to discredit people that had like an outsider's opinion of, you know, and question the fact that maybe it wasn't what they were reading, wasn't what they were being told, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I had read that uh, that was originally coined, I think it was the CIA. Yeah. Coined that to, to put down people that disagreed with uh, the way it went, which is kind of interesting because in some of the conspiracy theories, uh, the CIA is, is either partly or wholly responsible for killing JFK. Yeah. So they're, they're, they come out with it. No, it's just a conspiracy theory to put down the people that uh, are questioning yeah, it's a weird vibe, you know, and it, you know, it even goes today like conspiracy. We we have a show on the network that deals with, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. We don't like to say conspiracy theory because, you know, 
it's such a bad, we say truther, you know, truther discussion type deal, because that's more of what it is. It's not, it's not a push it down your throat type show. But even with that, it's like the, the, those shows that push things down your throat, give it such a bad name that you say just the tag of conspiracy theorist is like horrendous, makes you seem like tinfoil hat lunatic. Well, I don't know about the tinfoil hat thing. I do remember tinfoil on a uh, physical antenna on a TV before cable. They had to put that on there to get reception. So uh, that that's showing my age. Tinfoil hat. Have you ever seen Signs? M. Night Shyamalan, Mel Gibson, Hakeem Phoenix. Uh, a long while ago. Yeah, I think um, I don't think that's where it, the phrase was coined, but that's. Uh, and that they were the tinfoil hats, I remember. That that visual always pops in my head whenever I see that or hear that. I, I find that funny because if you if you're talking about that conspiracy of people who that they make fun of, they wear the tinfoil hats to protect themselves. Yeah. It's my my understanding. Uh oh, yeah, so before, yeah, the brain waves. So they can't get their brain scrambled in red. They can't read their brain their thoughts. And so you can't read their thoughts if I remember correctly. Now, back when I was young, and you, bef- and when you watched TV, you had rabbit, ear- what they called rabbit ears. Yep. You quite often would put tin foil on them to get better reception. So now you're wearing tin foil to block it. Now I'm going with a double conspiracy here. Oh shit! They came, they came up with the tin foil thing, told you to put it on your head to block them reading your rain brain waves when actually what it does is give them access to your brain yeah just i mean like it may- the, just like the old antenna gives them access that's kind of it's a crazy thought and, and all, all all that's all they would really need to do is just leak that info out in a weird way um and then people would believe it and do what they want them to do it makes sense though because like the, the whole the setup of it like the way that it is is it just in kind tin foil around the head with a little thing, a little antenna off the top. So like it would be, you know, and you could fry out a brain that way. You have you have you ever met a truly crazy person that like uh, approached you and was told you all these weird things and, but you could tell that it was like complete delusion. Uh, You go back into, that would have been the early seventies. Yeah. Uh, got introduced to somebody. I think the conversation lasted maybe around 30 minutes. And then I made myself scarce. Now that yeah. is really saying something because I was kind of a little on the, uh, well, I still am on the crazy side back then. Yeah. This guy was so far out there. It's kind of like, oh, I got to get away from this. I got to get away from this. This was like everything was a conspiracy. I don't care. You know, the breath you take, I'm sure was a conspiracy to him. Yeah. And it was like, no, 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 that, that's, that's too much. Conspiracy can't be every other word. Yeah. Yeah. I've stumbled into some crazy folks. I remember me and the Alex Hawk were somewhere. He stopped into some little small, like mom and pop shop somewhere for like VHS or something. And the guy that ran that. So we, for what we, we, like I joked something conspiracy with them. Cause I always like conspiracy talk, even if it's with a madman, you know what I mean? Or a mad woman, you know what I mean? Um, I do, I find complete interest in it, um, until it gets scary. I've been in a few situations where I've actually had got cre- to the point of like needed to leave the situation, figure out a cool way to get out of there. 
but we there was this dude talking about it was the Obama time uh, when he was in office, and this dude was like at the counter with with customers around dropping n bombs like it was nobody's business, and he said it was okay because he didn't have hate in his heart. He didn't have hate in his heart, so he can say it as much as he wanted. I was like, ah, oh, interesting. But um, yeah, yeah, it was wild. He was one of it. I always think of that guy. And that, that shop was such a shady, weird, weird fucking, like a, like a bodega shop. Like it was, you know, if anybody out there gets into the flea market world, yard, you know, yard sales, uh, you know, secondhand places and stuff, you know, you stop, you see little shops buried away in places. You, you go into them and they got a mixture of just about everything. It's literally a yard sale within a store. It was one of these type of stores, you know what I mean? Like a, a pawn shop, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it was kind of like the scene in Falling Down when Michael Douglas goes into the pawn shop. And I think it's like the dude from, uh, I think it's uh, Rob Halford, I think, from, what is it, uh, Judas Priest, I think, uh, is in there. And he's doing, uh, he's just like a lunatic. Yeah. It was kind of like that setup. Yeah, it's funny, like the whole VHS game and records and all that. Um, all that weird stuff I've collected throughout the years that you find yourself in the weirdest places. I remember I went into some dude's basement with him once. Uh, he, it was like a yard sale, and he brought me into his basement to look at VHS. And uh, I'm like a bigger dude, so I don't worry about those things. But like when you think about it in the second thought of it, it's like it could have been like the Sawyer family down there. It could have been Texas Chainsaw Massacre family. And, like, I got in the basement and, like, three goon dudes clobber me over the head and eat me um, or do worse things. My goodness. 2021 style. And, uh, yeah, so you find yourself in weird situations when you when you collect weird things that you can't just go to Wally World and get, I, I guess, you know. But, um, yeah. Now, what do you think about the idea, and some people will say, no, nah, it's not true. That when you collect those objects, mm. whether it's yard sales, uh, flea markets, etc., they're being haunted. Are you taking something home? Well, like I said, I, I think we touched on this a little bit before. Like before we, before the show, I never thought about it at all. And then with the show, the more we talk about these possessions and these things to latch on, then yeah, I do worry about these things. But unfortunately, if I come across something I really like. Like, I just recently came across a record that, like, a Run DMC original pressing Raising, uh, Raising Hell album that was, like, 100 bucks on eBay. And they wanted five, five bucks for it because they didn't know what they were selling. I ain't going to pass that up. So I'll still go out there and I'll get stuff. Um, but, like, yeah, and I probably should say something. I probably should do, like, a, a prayer or something. Which I sh I don't, but I I should because I do a lot of the I'll get a lot of records. Like I use records a lot nowadays, and um, like we our episode where we talk about the music be you know the gloomy tunes uh, episode, which is a great episode. Check it out if you have it. You know some of those songs can carry a little something to them. So if you got some music that somebody would always listen to when they were sad and maybe they died, it's not a not a definite impossibility that. A little piece of them didn't wind up in that object. So yeah, I believe it. I definitely, I definitely. Later in life, later in my in my in my thirties, in my thirties, I realized 
that you got to be a little more be careful with what you find. Because when I was younger, I'd do foolish things. Like when I was younger, like I have, and I still have it in my possession because whatever would have came is already here. Um, but I have like me and my buddy went into a mental hospital, that mental hospital that we went into when, um, back in the day that we haven't did, we've yet to do the episode on it. We will one day, we'll do a big super mega episode on it. Cause I have footage and stuff. Um, but, uh, he grabbed a hammer, a medical hammer that he found on the grounds. And I find, I have a reel, like an audio reel, which is, I believe, um, like a like a real to real recorder of a doctor's notes, like a doctor reading his whatever his notes are or talking to a subject, and I don't have a real to real, so I can't listen to it. I remember I had Dave Maggot over here one day, and he thinks he can talk to the dead, so he like touched it with his fingertips and 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 and, and acted, acted like the little lady in the and poltergeist. And did he danced around my living room, and then he told me like this. Told me about how I don't even remember what he said. We'll have him back on someday. Uh, but he said it was. He just said it was what I, what I told him was ahead of time, which was notes, which is what it says on it. So no big, uh, no big deal. But stuff. So, yeah, I do believe things do have, you know, uh, attachments. But in the same sense, Ray, what? How do you feel about? You go. What if you went to a t- go buy a brand new item that out of the factory? Somebody in the factory wanted to do some cr- throw some curses on it or s- some bad some bad vibes on it. That can happen. What I was thinking is we got to get you give you some basic training in two areas. One to become a little more sensitive, so when you approach something, you can feel it. Yeah, and also how to close close that off when it's not convenient and protect yourself. Because basically whether it's new or old, if I approach something and it doesn't feel good, it sen- sets up those psychic alarms. I shut myself off and walk away because I know, oh, oh no. And that has happened in the antique shops and uh, stuff like that. I was in one, uh, actually a local one with my wife and we were went to go into a room and I just stopped. Yeah. And and she goes, you feel it too? I said, oh, yeah, I'm not going in that room. Nope, I am not going. I was able to narrow it down from the doorway to look around and tell them it was an old pair of shoes. They looked like they came out of the, actually, possibly even late 1800s, 19, early 1900s, uh, lady shoes. And they were just throwing off the nastiest, nastiest vibe in the world. And it wasn't the styling. It, it was just there. And it's kind of like, I'm, I don't even want to go in a room. Never mind. Touch the shoes. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what, what they, uh, what they were involved in or who had them and stuff, but I kind of count on that. I got my radar up all the time. And so and in that case, I just bounce it away and I keep walking. Yeah. In a situation like that, do you think that it's like, uh, Maybe there was a lady that loved those shoes, and uh, we often hear you should never love a possession, um, but put their love into those shoes, and then um, you know she passed away or whatever, and then she, her love was still in the shoes, so, so hence that's where she went. Or what do you think? What do you think something like that would be? No, this one was more like evil, more like the uh, the lady in it was making meat pie with the neighborhood kids. Oh, really? It's- they were in the pie. Uh, this was like wow. nasty. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Didn't want to go near. I didn't want to get three, any closer than three or four feet near the door where it was. 
Interesting. This is uh, so. This is some really catching some real evil vibes off of this. My only concern is if someone takes that home, does that vibe start permeating the home, and does it start influencing the people? Yeah. Does, does the evil start taking them over? So another cycle of evil happens in the house that those shoes end up in. When 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 there's when somebody does, when somebody becomes like a serial killer, do you think that there might be just some some super evil spirits? floating around this earth and they possess people and maybe some of the some of this like like you know the same spirit was in jeffrey dahmer and john wayne gacy you know what i mean and ramirez you think there's something like that that just jumps around this evil force that jumps around or you think it's just a the evil within people uh the evil of man so to speak well i think there's evil out there and it will manipulate people i think that also and it goes in several cultures that when people have suffered trauma as a child, they're much more open. Uh, I know Na- Native Americans people would um, basically that the, the, cho- the children where something like that would happen, they would be trained. They might end up as a medicine man, or but they were taken special care of because of the trauma that happened to them. Because you never really close up, and you're more open to uh, the spirit world. Now, if you take a Dharma or or Jeffrey Dahmer, or somebody else that had that trauma. If you've got evil out there, it's easier for them to be influenced or taken over by that evil and to be able to uh, keep it going, create more trauma, create more evil. And if you're taking a look at something, let's say uh, something Manson owned, and, uh, okay, some of his essence or some of that evil and some of his... uh, psyche is in in those objects it carries some objects can uh, carry the energy that's how we have residual hauntings yeah uh, so the person who takes that home they're bringing that energy into their home now if they're susceptible whether it's because they're wide open whether it's a trauma or something else then yeah they can uh, be taken over by that evil and by that energy yeah, there was a girl we had on shock treatment recently um, that was telling us about she was at some truck stop and she seen so what she was told was uh, one of the original paintings of John Wayne Gacy, which, you know, he's Pogo, the serial killer clown, um, which I don't know why that would be the truck stop. You know what I mean? Those are sought after items, um, even because there's, there's there's wicked there's collectors of wild dark stuff like that um and she i don't know what i don't know uh how much she knew her deal a little bit with that just because um she said that it was painted it was painted in children's blood which i thought was a little exaggerated because gacy didn't kill children he killed um boys like teenage boys and young 20 year old gentlemen um but not like kids, kids, you know what I mean? I think she just had those little Hollywood in her game in, in that story, I think. But, um, yeah, because all growing up, you know, well, not all growing up. I wasn't some, I wasn't a three-year-old asking Santa Claus for John Wayne Gacy paintings. But uh, <laughs> throughout my, throughout my, as soon as I really kind of came hip to the idea that John Wayne Gacy did paintings, whenever I hear of any serial killer, and it's not that I worship serial killers, it's just so interesting and fascinating that whole thing is just so interesting and you know 
Um, whenever I find out they do paintings or they create weird sculptures and stuff, I always get interested in them or I did at least. And I always saw, you know, if I could come across one of them, I'd love to own an original, you know, Pogo painting of John, you know, the John Wayne Gacy did. How cool would that be? You know, I know like Jonathan Davis from Corn has, um, you know, Manson probably has, you know, know, Marilyn, he probably loses him and while he's losing his career, he's probably losing everything. But like all those big, dark, artists you know what i mean i'm sure they all have uh, a little john wayne gacy painting squared away or i believe charles manson made like spiders out of like toilet paper or like paper towels yeah or like something weird they're like prison stuff you know what i mean um but like it, but nowadays like i don't know man i don't know if i'd even want that because there's so much bad vibe around it you know what i mean i kind of doubt that truck stop story yeah, me too. I, I thought it was. I just used that to kick off the story, but I, I, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't. You ain't shit like that. There's a thing called the Museum of Death in Hollywood. Um, that I think stuff like that would realistically be there. The Death Museums, and if we ever go to California, all as a group, I want to. Uh, I want to go in and we'll do an episode on it uh, on the show because it's a really. It's a. It's like a museum of all types of weird serial killers and stuff like that with all like you know actual you know uh true like you know the way you'd go to the rock and roll museum and see elvis presley's fucking star-studded jacket you can go see john wayne gacy's pogo the clown outfit type deal or something like that um uh, no i can't i can't speculate i don't actually know what they have but i think it's stuff like that don't go showing up at their door looking for the pogo the clown outfit and not get it and get mad at us or uh the museum of death people that's purely speculation. Um, but yeah, it's a wild deal. I'd be so, curious yeah. in that case, um, what you have, and it's fairly easy to teach for people if they're open at all, is psychometry. And that is when you touch a thing and you can tell something about the thing and the person who owned it yeah. by, the, by the energy in there. When I used to run these uh, day-long uh, training classes, the first thing we used to do was uh psych- psychometry and i would have a collection of things from different people and i knew where they came from and who had them and i would pass them out and the people would have to tell me what they felt yeah and after several meditations and other things people would pick it up and they'd start saying oh this comes from here and i don't know i see somebody that was a this or that and then afterwards i tell me you were right that person came from that place they did this for a living, and afterwards they'd be going, "Wow!" Now you take a museum like that, and you walk in there, you wouldn't even have to touch it. The energy is probably so strong right. that you could walk through there if you wanted to risk it, opening yourself up a little to actually seeing what those objects did. Yeah, I don't know if you'd really want to actually see it. Maybe you know, people may think it's uh, interesting to read about or in a movie, but to actually see it or experience a little of it would be kind of scary and fascinating at the same time. It's true. No, for sure. You know, the, uh, I was thinking real quick in my head. I was like, what are the most crazy in, what do I have the darkest items I have in my possession? And, uh, I have a book, I have a book. I probably that thing I have is that audio reel that I just talked about. And I have a book on satanic crime. Cause I, I, you know, I like to read up on things you know, not to like worship or anything, just interesting stuff. I got a book on Satan. It's more of like a, 
biography almost like a, I think it's like a like a biblical thing more of kind of just a layout of like who who he is as an entity and such such but then I have this book that's like um I think it's like satanic crimes you know what I mean I've seen it like at, at the savers so it's, it's probably like shit attached to that dude I gotta get you down here saying some prayers the um but um and that's a, that's a wild book and I remember what made me buy that book not only of the theme of it, because you those books are books. When you see stuff like that, you ain't gonna see it too often because they're so dark. You know what I mean? And I remember I I picked the book up and I opened it up to the fir- to the middle of the book. And in the middle of the book, there was a pi- a picture of something that I've seen before uh, in my I've seen before in my life, and it creeped me out. And what it was was um, it was a it was a it was a a sketch of a tree that had a kid's face on it. Now, what's scary about that is when we and my buddy went into that, 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 that mental hospital, TB hospital, there was a children's ward and in that children's ward painted on the wall was that was a picture very much like that picture in the book. And that creeped me the fuck out, man. And I got chills just thinking of it right now. And because of that, I grabbed that book. And I've never opened that book up to read it. But I like to know that I kind of have it if I ever want to read it. You know what I mean? Um, I probably have a few books like that in the collection that, like, I'll never read. But, like, they were just so so obscure and weird when I seen them that I, I couldn't pass up grabbing them. You know what I mean? And they're cheap. They're savers. You don't pay more than $4 for a book of savers. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only thing I had in my youth that I delved into that was um, kind of uh, still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, screen went a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I had, which I got rid of, I think I burned it, um, and I don't know if you can get a hold of it anymore unless it's through a collector or something, order it. Uh, when I did some experimenting when I was young was the book of ceremonial black magic. Yeah. That had all the ceremonies in it and a way to do everything. Yeah. Um, I had a hardbound copy of it, not a paperback. And that had some nasty stuff in it and spells, et cetera. So, uh, that was about it. Otherwise books was, were either educational or entertainment, but not, not dark. You can find some weird books on eBay that goes for insane amounts of money. When my grandfather, my grandfather was a very spiritual guy who kind of dabbled in everything. He wanted to know a little bit of everything to make sure he was making the right decision type guy. So I know that he had, he had books on everything. Um, and I really wish I got his books when he passed because God knows where they ended up. He also made, he had very dark poetry. I hear that <laughs> that is looming out there that I would love to read. Uh, I've been told it's a little too much. Well, with a man dying, a man dying before his time, you would assume uh, there would be some dark poetry. You know what I mean? You take a book like the book of ceremonial black magic. Once you start using the spells in it. Yeah. The book itself starts to acquire some of the power. I believe that. Your attachments to the book. So if you have it, and if you use something like it, then you don't bring it to a flea market, or you don't give it away. Because now the book itself is a a force. Now the book itself has the attachments on it by its its use. So you have to be careful if you see one like it, 
or if you have one and want to get rid of it, if you want to get rid of it, destroy it. Well, that's so. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Unless you somebody dies and they don't, and then all their books are just given to goodwill or whatever. You have that those circumstances too, which is when you, you find yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So today's with with that being said, we'll pop into today's episode. You know, a little further deeper uh, to go with our our superstition uh, talk that we talked a little bit about in the beginning. We're gonna take a little cruise. Through a list of some of the, uh, the, 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 the some of the known superstitions to wrap our brain around them because uh, you know some will be like like much like our unexplainable you know phenomena episodes we'll be able to talk about what we think is you know kind of BS and what we think is uh, has anything to go with it um, and a lot of it we think you know your typical superstition is a lot of mumbo jumbo hearsay kind of fun old wives tale one of those you know don't step on a crack break your mother's back type stuff you know what i mean but i'm curious to see if we come across anything that actually jives in the world of reality uh to any degree Uh, i feel like probably not so much but you never can you never can tell these days you know what i mean what do you think about that right what's your opinion as we as we venture into this list what do you think we're going to be looking at with uh I think you'll, I think you'll be surprised at some of the things that may have culturally uh, basis for their existence in older cultures. We'll have to kind of delve in there and see what we can find. Yeah, I know some of the things we've talked about before. You know, um, with uh, you know, uh, like the uh, what was it? The death comes in threes. Death comes in threes, and there was some other stuff we talked about where it came from, like witches. Like it was a witch thing that we never even knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting stuff. So, without any, uh, without going, without getting too superstitious on anybody out there, we 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 start off. First one is uh, never say happy birthday too early. We start this one because yesterday was my birthday, and I'm not letting anybody know until today because I didn't want anybody to say happy birthday too early because uh, I don't want to deal with that. Celebrating or even congratulating someone on birthday. Uh, on a birthday before the day arrives brings bad luck. That's at least uh, what the Russians believe. What do you think of that, Ray? Uh, I don't know. It may have to do with the power of words. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure on that one. Does it shorten their life or just bring them bad luck by premature, yeah. pre- prematurely wishing them that a premature death? Maybe it's one of those things where. Uh, just being, they don't want to be wrong. It's like just go with the flow. Just, just, just let's not let's not talk about it type deal. Because um, nobody wants to go. Oh, happy birthday and go. Well, actually, it's tomorrow. You know what I mean? They go. Oh, well, happy early birthday. It's an awkward moment. Nobody wants to deal with. In America, they just say thank you, and nobody else talks about it. But in Russia, they say they make a big deal about it. You know what I mean? Call it paranormal. Call it superstition. Yeah, I'd say that superstition, and uh, that's more more of a cultural thing. Maybe that superstition came about because they wanted to stop people from doing it, and you know, don't say it, don't say it, not time yet. And then a superstition built up around it. So that's more like super bullshit. <laughs> not not really su- superstition. <laughs> that's well, not quite. Re- that's more of a. That sounds more like a society, not you know, society thing. 
yeah, society thing. It became the meme of the day. Don't say it. A society implant, not an actual superstition. Before memes were called memes, yeah. that 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 was one. I believe that. Yeah, actually, the, the origin of memes, um, uh, the way we use them now is a little differently. But it used to be that uh, you put out something that. Um, you put out an opinion, you put out something or, or a fact, and it doesn't have to be true, but if society accepts it overall mm-hmm. as a truth, it becomes a meme. Now they're just on social media, they're just jokes. Yeah. At one time, it was taken seriously. Yeah. Well, like I, like we said in the beginning, you know, superstition's kind of a clown thing now, you know what I mean? Not to be taken. When you say it's a superstition, it pretty much just says, do not take this seriously, you know? Unfortunate. Um, but uh, right now we're kind of seeing why people are making a mockery of it because some of the things that they're calling superstitions uh, are a little bit mockery-like. You know what I mean? Uh, next up, don't place two mirrors opposite each other. Uh, the infinite reflections may look cool, but in Mexico and elsewhere, facing mirrors open a doorway for the devil. This one has a little more weight to it, in my opinion. What's your take? I think so because uh, one of the ways you can summon, yeah, uh, uh, spirits is you perform the ceremony between two mirrors facing each other. Now, what you have to realize is mirrors used to be made with a silver backing, yeah, and that's where the story about uh, vampires can't see themselves because of the silver. Can't see themselves in a mirror. Now, the silver is also associated with uh, the spirit world. And a connection to, to to the spirit world. So if you have two back mirrors with the silver on it, you see the the reflections. You're creating kind of a little portal in there that your ceremony opens up. And uh, I would think that you could open that easily by accident, just by being a believer, or just by walking into it and looking for it. You've got a little doorway there that's uh, ready for you. Also, mirrors themselves. At one time, when you um, if someone was very sick, you covered all of the mirrors in the house because the belief was that if they passed and the mirror was uncovered, particularly in a room they were in, then their soul might get trapped in the mirror. Yeah. yeah so there's a lot, a lot around the mirrors and, and, and spirits, a, a lot of power and energy there. And I believe partly because of the silver and the fears at a time of people being trapped in the earth and becoming a ghost. Mm. It's the continuous, because it has that like continuous, because it just echoes off of itself, you know what I mean? I think it, it's believable that it, something that continuous like that would catch something, because it's just back and forth bounce that you would catch if there was entities, dimensional or whatever it be, that it would almost get trapped in something like that, you know what I mean? Well, when you're looking at that, uh, how it goes on and on, you're also looking you know, that's very much how people perceive other dimensions. It's just going on in multiples of this one. So yeah, that kind of, kind of makes sense that it would come up as a, uh, as a superstition. But I think that, uh, in different cultures, they have a reason for believing that, uh, the way they grew up, whether it's the fear of death, the fear of spirits. Um, yeah, I, don't know if that's totally superstitious because I know that the ceremonies in front of them, it is a way that you can effectively open a portal. There may be some truth behind mirrors. 
Yeah, all that Mira stuff's always interesting because like, uh, it's almost like real magic in a way. Like the optical illusion of it is like you can with by doing it you can create something that is almost like to look at. It's real weird. You know, it's, it's magic. Like you know what I mean? It really is when you think about. It. I mean, you know how you're doing it, but like the bounce of it, and it's one of those, um, you know, mysteriously not mysterious uh, things. You know what I mean? Yep. Like magnets in a way, you know, there's, it's funny. There's an ICP song where they taught, they got a lot of flack over cause he, uh, they were talking about magnets and you know, like how they work, the, the, the magic of how they work, um, which is kind of interesting, you know, but there's all types of weird things in life that just kind of link up like that. that there's really no rhyme or reason to it. They just miraculously work, you know what I mean? Or do whatever they do. But yeah, that the mirror thing, I thought uh, that that I, I kept I caught the vibes all over that one. You know what I mean? Uh, next up, never stick your chopsticks straight up. Poking chopsticks down into your food is a big no-no in Japan. The utensils look like uh, the unlucky number four, which means death, and also the in- incense uh, the incense sticks used at funerals. Uh, also the same deal. Another tip, don't point your chopsticks at anyone. That's just plain rude, yo. Um, so what do you think of these chopsticks? When you put it, when you stab it into your food, it looks like four, like big trouble. I can see the number four and also it is, uh, you're stabbing something. You're not grasping it. I know that incense, incense burners, I've come across most of them hold the incense, um, they have a long tray. Yeah. And the incense is out at an angle, so it's not pointing upward. And the ash falls in the tray section. So, um, yeah, you're, you're stabbing or penetrating, uh, wh- whether it's the incense or the chopsticks into something. And that is bad luck. That, I think they, they see that as bad luck. It's mimicking death, stabbing somebody, uh, and numerology, obviously, in Japanese, uh, four is the number of death. So, yeah, I can understand why they might view it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, yeah, you could take chopsticks and do somebody with them. Uh, hold a couple of those together and start stabbing them. They're going to be hurt, especially the eyes. You could you could do them in multiple ways. Yep. Hurt them, hurt them and give them pleasure, the handful of chopsticks. Depends how gentle you are. It's all about the gentle hand, you know what I mean. But with I, different, I am, I am not going to comment on that. <laughs> with different, with different cultures, there's different beliefs, and who's to say? Uh, I would never say anybody. I can only speak for our culture if I to say something's wrong or if it's really whacked out. Um, but yeah, so I'll have to agree with that. You know. Next up, yeah, give a penny if you've uh, received something sharp. Gifting anything with a blade can supposedly uh, sever a relationship. So if you receive a knife set, a knife set or a pair of scissors as a present, give the person a coin in return. Um, what do you think of that one, Ray? I don't, I don't know. Um, I can see the weapon aspect of anything shop and scissors. Yeah. The, co- the coin is, you know, to recognize, uh, I don't know, to offset the evil in that, the potential that the object has to be able to inflict? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I don't see a superstition in this. I see like some um, some weirdo magazine or blog telling you how you tell a friend they're not your friend anymore by sending them a kitchen knife or scissors for Christmas. That's what I read from that. Oh, I also see the person on the receiving end over there being a bit of a wise ass, giving a penny back, saying thank you. A penny for your thoughts, because I don't think about you no more. One of those things. Yeah, precisely. This whole thing is something you'd catch on the Ellen DeGeneres show or something. <laughs> I should tell you, hey, this is that's how she tells her 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 she tells her assistants and all that. Uh, they no longer work there by giving sending them a pair of scissors. It says here's a here's a pair of scissors for the ties we're about to sever. Um, next up, don't go right home after a funeral. Uh, a Filipino tradition called pagpag dictates that people never go straight back to the house after a wake. Otherwise, a bad spirit might tag along and come inside. Mourners will make a stop at a restaurant or a, sto- a store first, just in case. Kind of get a, you know, I can kind of vibe with that a little bit. I, I can agree. If the spirit is restless at their death, that it may attach to somebody that they know or a family member and travel home with them. I can, I can understand that one. It, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you think it would be the spirit of their loved one or just the spirit that just happens to be around the, around the opening of their loved one entering that other plane? I tend to think it would, it would probably be more like the loved one following them. Not wanting to transcend? Not wanting to transcend or attaching to them for that last bit, holding on. And then uh, when they don't go home, then they don't have a peaceful place to go to. Then they continue their journey onward. Yeah, because a lot of cultures believe in that. Give them their time. Like they, they, they take into consideration that they don't want to leave Earth. So they give them that time to kind of come to grips with it and then leave. You know what I mean? Well, there's a, the, a lot of traditions. I mean, I know in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it's either 45 or 49 days yeah. the ceremony for them to transition. In many cultures out of the Middle East, um, it's three days. Um, and yeah, all the cultures, the older ones, the ancient or older cultures held on to a time period where the spirit has to adapt to its new environment and has to be able to be allowed to let go and continue on. I judge which one of these are real by the ones that I would kind of do. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, eh. like if I was at somebody's wake or funeral that I thought, you know, if I was there because it was more of a necessity needed to be there or something, it wasn't quite, and they weren't like that great of people. I might take a trip to Tarjay or Wally world before I headed home. Well, I had someone uh, close to me who did pass. Yeah. Uh, and this goes back oh, over 30 years ago. And I was with them when they did in the hospital. Yeah. And I did go home. And for that night and a couple nights afterwards, I kept getting knocks on my front door. Now, I, I was able to, because of the way the home was made, look out the front window and there was no one there knocking. Hmm. And that stopped after three days. That's scary. See, that stuff's very weird. Well, I think that they weren't letting go. They, they, they simply weren't letting go. And myself and who I was with at the time uh, is who they attached to 
or try at least, or maybe just send a message, but they were knocking on the front door. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think that's, do you think that's a, uh, a trying to stay with you and then eventually coming to grips with what happened and leaving? You think that's more of a, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you with this. And then it kind of gives you a little bit of time with it. You know what I mean? I like the second one. Yeah. To me, it was more of a message uh, yeah. than anything else. Yeah, I support that. Yeah, it's inter- it's very interesting stuff. This one has, a, I do catch with the vibe of this stuff. I am kind of feeling a little bit, you know what I mean? I can feel it. It feels like something real that I could I could get behind. Um, I'm not saying any of them are fake, but I, I kind of, I'm feeling that one. I'm whistling indoors invites evil. Whistling while you work may be an issue in Lithuania where it's forbidden to whistle indoors because the noise is believed to summon demons. And this is a different culture, of course. So I could, I could definitely see them believing that this could be a real deal. Um, maybe, you know, kind of makes you wonder sometimes, like if thing, if people, the cultures that believe stuff like this, if they're onto something, you wonder why there's so much wicked in the world. It's because uh, some of the things that certain cultures believe might be real and we don't jive with it. So we just go about a merry own business. What do you think, Greg? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go with uh, maybe someone believe the sound. Also, if it's an old enough one, it could be that if you're talking about uh, maybe going back to something like medieval times. Yeah. Something like it could be that legend could be established to keep the servants and other people from whistling and disturbing the royalty. Well, whistles go back to the beginning of time for music. And I know we've talked about how there's been certain songs and chants and such like that, that could almost possess a person. Uh, We've talked about how there could be chants that could make people actually die. You know what I mean? So I almost feel like there's a lot of power in some of the noises that could come out to the point where who's to say if you, you whistled the wrong tune, you unlock, you know what I mean? Like one of those things you just happen to do a couple notes differently that, 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 you know, aren't different in a different, uh, a different, you know, different way of doing things. And then you unlock something that's possible. I almost vibe with the reality, with that being reality and, and the possibility. And you gotta, you know, the fact that people believe that there's so much that believe if there's cultures that believe enough not to do it. Uh, the question then lies is with them believing it and so much being bad and then other people doing it. Does that create uh, create a bad energy around them? I think it could. Yeah. Around the people that believe it or the people that are actually that are doing it that don't believe it. Uh, both. If you're in that environment, and you're mixed in with be- people who are believers, their immediate negative reaction to that uh, lends energy to the energy or power to it. And that's, that's where you could unleash something. The sound, um, as we discussed before, how powerful sound is. I remember about 15 years ago, I worked with somebody at the Sacred Sound Institute, uh, putting together uh, basically Aboriginal songs and different sounds, etc. And it's fascinating uh, what sound can do. There was a gentleman, oh, what's his, oh, I can't remember his name now. He came out with a CD where he went around the world and he got 
and it sounds. It's not actual. There's very few chants. It's mostly just sounds, and they're tuned from these old cultures to each of the chakras in the body. And it's very powerful. Jonathan Goldman. I think we talked about him in the 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 the, the, the gloomy tunes episode. And the, the interesting thing about that is, I know people that because I do have a CD of it. Yeah, and uh, I have played that, and I know people that, for instance, at the beginning of it, it starts with the root chakra. That if I put that on, they'll get a they'll get a stomach cramp in the root in the area of the uh, root chakra, uh, just above the groin area, and if that's because the vibration itself of that sound is tuning into the spinning and the vibration of the chakra, and it's pushing things out. So sounds don't have to just be chants or voices. They can be tones. They can be beats. And if you go into something like whistling, there's a possibility in there. If you whistle a certain song a certain way, that it could affect you. Yeah. I believe it. You know, and the humming. I know we talk about the humming and the drumming sounds and the, the med- like that meditation thing could definitely do, do some damage to, to, to yourself. If uh if it's done wrong, yeah. Definitely be careful with that. Definitely be careful with that. Um the vibrations could be interesting, you know. They say if you happen to the medical people say if you happen to get punched in your chest or whacked in your chest at the perfect time, it can stop your heart. Doesn't need to be a big massive blow, just enough to poop throw it off track. So in that keeping that in mind. I do feel with some humming and vibrations that you could create with your body, you probably could do some serious damage if you knew what you were doing or didn't know what you were doing, you know, in the same, in the same breath, I'll say that. Um, so dangerous stuff, you know, I'm surprised more people don't die playing football and stuff. Seeing, I was watching a greatest hits video with a friend of mine the other day and seeing some devastating, demolishing, um, hits these people take and I'm, you know knowing the thing about the chest and the heart uh i'm surprised people don't take the big nap more often i'm glad they don't of course but i'm surprised they don't well in the uh in japan and in china in the martial arts you have something called a heart punch yeah yeah and it's it's delivered a certain way to the heart and i won't describe it but the whole purpose is that one punch, which does not have to be very hard, stops the heart. Yeah, it's in Kill Bill. The the, the Quentin Tarantino movie Kill Bill. There, I think she kills Bill with the heart punch technique. Yeah, it's interesting because it's all pressure points. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, crazy. Well, when, when you're looking at pressure points, you're also looking at particularly, let's say, if you're going over to Japan and China. Yeah. And the the body has meridians. It has areas that the certain paths that your life energy, your chi flows along. And if you disrupt those, it disrupts the body. I mean, to enhance those and get a, a good flow, that's why you have acupuncture. Right. The negative is to apply to those pressure points, those energy points, disrupt the flow in the body. And therefore, you can uh, seriously injure somebody that way. Yeah, it's um all those go those those kung fu experts and those gurus and know that 
stop stop your heart, get, slap your chest a couple times, walk away, and then you're like you, you're puffing for air and falling down. Those people, uh, the techniques that they have is very interesting. I always thought that was movie stuff, but I assume the, the people that are finely tuned in that that martial art ability, you know, I assume that they can be like, pop, poop, pop, poop, pop, walk away, you're dead. Um, and it would be just a matter of, you know, it's weird. The whole thing's weird, but it is what it is. You want to know what else is weird? The fact that some people happen to think sharing with water is a superstition, which I hope not because I have uh, myself and um, every probably, uh, unfortunately, every alcoholic who's recovering out there knows the, the feel of um, sharing with water. Now, I'm not saying I'm a recovering alcoholic. I won't even make the joke. Much love to those folks. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a German superstition declares that if you cheer with water, you are actually wishing death upon the people you are drinking with. Uh, the idea stems from Greek mythology. That's scary. Uh, like I've said, I've, I've cheered with water before, so... I don't, I'm glad I don't believe in these things, but it's kind of scary that certain people do. German people. Now, is this cheer or cheer? Cheer, cheer. Uh, cheer, cheer like, like okay. cheers to people, yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm, interesting. Like the TV show, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know about that. It, uh, if it was Russian, I could have made a vodka joke. You know what I mean? But it's not. So I can't. But, yeah, uh, I don't know about this one. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think you saying you, you saying you drink water and something bad happens in any form, I think, is the most weirdest thing because yeah, everybody does it every day. You Maybe you're not sharing it to somebody, but if you were to share it to somebody, you would be wishing death upon them is a very absurd thing. I think. Well, if you go back far enough, uh, when water was contaminated, uh, when you couldn't trust water, um, everybody drank, everybody drank, drank beer. I mean, as, as recent, at least in this country, in colonial times, yeah. the only time you drank water was boiled and it was tea. Otherwise, you were drinking uh, the popular thing around in colonial America was uh, rum and some of your hard alcohol, and that's part of, partly because down south or any good climate over here, they used to be able to grow a lot of grains and make alcohol. Yeah. And despite what history says about the tea tax, one of the biggest, one big thing that uh, tax wise led to the revolution is that people would grow the grains, keep some of it keep some of the alcohol for themselves, make the alcohol, and then sell some because they didn't trust the water. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Britain moved in and decided they were going to take a, uh, they changed their rules and they were going to take a portion of it. Now that affected people's income and what they had to drink mm. and their, their safety. And that, that was actually bigger than the so-called tea tax. But the Staying away from water in medieval times and even afterwards for a long while became a tradition because uh, how polluted the rivers had become, particularly around settlements or cities. So everybody drank alcohol, and the alcohol was in the home, 
and you didn't drink water unless it was boiled. Yeah. We're probably heading to something like that again. I could, I could see we're cheering and you're using water. This, you know, if you go back far enough, this, this stuff that can kill you and you, you're giving someone cheers with that. It's more like cursing them. I'm vibing with you on that. I think that you right there just hit it right on the head. It probably stemmed from a time where the water was killing people off. Poisonous water, bacteria in the water that was messing with people. Well, also the sanitation at that time there, if you had a, a town or village or something like that, and the animals, the runoff, the this, the that, and everything going into the rivers and all. I mean, all that stuff became deadly. So uh, basically you drank booze at home. The whole family. Hey, some people would love that. Dead air. Look at that dead silence. So next up, (laughs) with that being said, there's a lot of alcohol themes in this episode already. Dark alcohol, uh, quiet zones. Um, Avoid avoid sleep. Sleeping with your head to the north. According to Japanese superstition, sleeping with your head in this direction is bad luck because that's how the deceased are laid to rest. What's your opinion on that? Directions in a lot of cultures, particularly old cultures, they um, the significance of the different directions. I know in Native Americans, the north is the buffalo, the color is white, and that is the entrance to the spirit world. So if you were to lay someone out and you were to put their head to the north, it is easy for them to access the spirit world that way. Yeah. Um, so I could see, I'm not sure what it is in Japan, what that uh, direction means. But with the older culture where they ascribe different uh, properties to different directions. Um, yeah, I, whatever, whatever their culture had said, I could see them embracing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can get down with that a little bit, too. You know, I'm not going to hate on that one. Um, I don't really think it, you know, in our culture, we kind of sleep wherever we want to sleep. You know what I mean? But if that's how they want to vibe, they can vibe however they want to vibe. You know what I mean? What's funny, uh, avoid sleeping with your head to the West. Conversely, the same superstition exists in Africa. If you sleep with your head to the west, weird. See, so right there you can just go and say that you can never really. I don't think it's a global superstition. This is a very cultural. But then again, of course, superstition within itself is very cultural. You know what I mean? Um, keep your shoe, keep your new shoes uh, off the table. I guess old shoes are not a ba- not not a problem, but the new shoes are a big deal. In Britain, it's considered bad luck because it is supposed to symbolize the death of a loved one. Back in the day, placing someone's shoes on a table uh, was a way to let their family know that they passed away. Nowadays, it's just uh, bad etiquette. So I don't know what to talk about. New shoes. Uh, it just should be shoes in general because unless somebody dies in new shoes, which then they're having a really bad day, but I guess you can go out in style. You know, that's the best way to probably do it. Um, but this one, I don't like this one already just cause the, 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 the headline of it, like the main fucking, the right, the get go of it was, uh, they're trying to lie to us from the get go. I don't support that. I don't support that. Ray, do you want to comment or we just going to gloss right over that one? Uh, just a quick comment. It may go back to a day where 
you didn't even want to enter the room where someone died because you were afraid of being possessed that a spirit might follow you, etc. So someone took the shoes and put them on a table and anybody coming into the house went, oh, someone died. And then it's like 180 out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at them. I'm not going in the room. Okay. They died. I'm going. It's true. It's like, cause you know, having your shoes on the table, there's no worse thing in the world. Really. When you think about it, cause whatever, whatever you're stepping on all day, you're now putting where you're going to be eating. You know what I mean? It's like a terrible thing. It's almost like somebody put their shoes up there by accident didn't think their wife was around. Their wife came around the corner and was like, what the, what are you doing? They're like, Bobby's dead. He's in the bedroom. He's dead. Because they wanted to get out of the, you know, getting in trouble for putting the shoes, putting their work boots on the table. That was a terrible joke. Uh, I move into itchy hands next. I apologize. Itchy hands have financial repercussions. Um, That is uh, one of their deals where they say in Turkey, an itchy right hand means you'll come into some money, but an itch on your left means you'll lose money. Now, isn't itching your itchy hands a medical problem in America where you have to give money to a big pharma? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think the itchy hand thing is uh, they're basically at one time anyone left-handed was considered evil. Quite often they were considered witches. um, Right and wrong type deal. Right and wrong, you you shake hands with the right hand, you always pass things with the right hand. So I think it goes back to uh, that good and bad, right and evil, left and yeah. right sort of thing. And they just, someone just came up with the whole kind of uh, money thing. They wanted money, your hands at you. It's kind of like, oh, someone's going to slap some dough on there. Yeah. Yeah, true fact. That makes a lot of sense for that. For it to be BS, bullshit and, um, I don't know about the itchy hands. I get itchy hands every now and then. Um, I should pay attention to which hand it is for now and I guess. Uh, don't play with scissors. Doesn't it sounds more like good advice instead of a superstition, but uh, crafters beware. Idly playing with scissors will bring bad luck according to Egyptian lore. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like uh, that, was, that was probably an inside joke because Egyptians were probably... Stabbing each other with scissors all the time. I don't. I. I don't know. I get no idea why. I mean, I could see a safety thing, uh, particularly if you're talking with a child. But I can't understand why it would bring bad luck or anything else. I think. Um, well, I think it's mainly you probably have these people. You, you know, putting clothes together and they're probably cutting their fingers and stuff and it turns into something like that. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're screwing around. It's probably like their their manager or just them or whoever, whoever's running the deals telling them, yo, you're playing around, you cut your finger. Oh, you cut your finger, you know why? Because you're not working, you're playing around. You know what I mean? It probably came from something like that. You ain't getting those, you ain't getting those pyramids built because you're fucking fooling around. You're playing with them scissors. Get out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. Get back to work attitude. I think that's got a lot to it, you know. Um, and of course, back in the day, they would throw throw a curse on it. If you weren't working, it's because you're a demon. It's not because you you're tired. It's because you're a demon. You know what I mean? Um, next well, up, huh? I was going to say, in a lot of ancient cultures, everything was tied into spirit in the spirit world. 
yeah. good or good or evil, the influences. They lived closer to it and they believed more in it than we do in a technology age. Truth. No, it's true. It's uh, it's weird though, but none of that, nothing's changed except people's opinions. So it's almost a, it makes you wonder what the things that people cared about a lot and praised back in the day. You wonder if that's still stuff still out there in the ether, out there just floating around. You know, even though people aren't quite jiving with it as much as they used to. That's one of those deals. Uh, and I got another one for you. Some superstition is stepping in dog poop isn't necessarily bad. That sounds like uh, a dog a dog owner telling someone whose dog just pooped in their yard that. You know what I mean? This one seems unluckily, unlucky all around, but just go with it. Stepping in dog poop is actually considered good luck in France. Uh, if you do it with your left foot, it's only bad luck if you step in it with your right foot. Uh, scary. So bad luck if you step in your right and good if you step it on your left. That's a okay. weird thing. Yeah, that, that, that to me is just totally weird. You know, the dog uh, craps and you step on your left on your left side, which traditionally is is your uh well left at one time evil was attributed to it, but if you go in certain cultures in mystical traditions um, the left side of your left hand is where you receive or you take in and your right hand is where, where you put out. In other words, if you were to curse somebody, you'd make a symbol with your right hand. If you were to accept a blessing or a prayer, it is done with the left because that is the side that receives. So the, the left side, good luck, maybe, but that's really stretching it. I mean, it sounds like dog love is making an excuse for just leaving it on the streets. All I can picture is meatloaf-brained people in Facebook friends posting up um, poopy left feet from them intentionally stepping in poop like an imbecile so they can be like, guess who has good luck today? Going to have a great day. Took a walk this morning. Guess what I stepped in with my left foot? That really? It was a precursor because later that week they stepped off their roof when they had enough. It was too much. They were hoping for Facebook likes and didn't get them. But to go with that, go with the old poop thing. Let's talk about how bird poop brings good fortune. You know, um, tell everybody who, who has bird poop all over their car that, um, and they'll tell you differently. According to Russian superstition, bird poop that lands on you or something that belongs to you will bring you wealth. Something to keep in mind the next time you're reading under a tree. Um, I guess that's a positive. Maybe that's one of those things they think of so you don't go, oh, I just got shit on by a bird in my car or when I'm walking and you're having that bad day and you're like, well, if things could be worse. I haven't been shit on by a bird yet. And then just big diarrhea, yellow fucking brown diarrhea shit down your head. And you're just like, damn. And somebody walks up to you and they're like, hey, don't fret, brother. That's good luck. And the dude was just trying to cheer him up, and that's how that whole thing started. What do you think? I, yeah, it sounds more like a cheer up. And the other thing, you know, you could have someone going, "Oh, that ain't bad. It's a gift from the heavens, from the sky." Very <laughs> yeah. I could, I could do without that gift, you know. Yeah. So it's an atom bomb, but I don't want to drop it on me. 
I'd say, let me pay it forward and shit on your hat. <laughs> That's what I'd tell them if they told me that garbage, crazy madness. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into that last one. Nope. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Yeah. Next up is owls or bad omens. This is a fun one because I, you know, there's the the the. I think there there was a movie a few years back, the fourth kind. I think it was called, where they kind of dove into the element of owls and alien interchangeable thing, which was like a very interesting vibe. The movie wasn't that good, if I remember correctly, but like that take in the movie was interesting. Um. But yeah, you know, there's an Egyptian superstition that if you see or hear an owl, terrible news is coming. Yet another reason to not hang out in the woods at night, right? Oh my. I have um, a question. Question: Where in Egypt do you have that many owls hanging out trees? You have sparse palm trees, and that's about it. Very good question. Very good question. Owls are an interesting. They're very interesting. You know, the, the birds themselves. Owls, by some cultures, are considered the eagles of the night and not necessarily bad. Yeah, they have so a great it, look. It's going to be a it's going to be a cultural thing, very much so. It may be bad in Egypt, and you can go to another another culture, and the owl is very well respected. As for bringing bad luck, um, the last place I lived and this place, I can go out at night, and there are owls around, and I hear them. I have a great part of my life, and I didn't turn around and have a disaster. So I yeah, can personally yeah. say that that doesn't play out, at least in my life. Well, they're very, owls are a sign of like the Illuminati as well. You know, they get, they catch a bad rap because they're out in the, out all night. You know what I mean? So it's that thing, the, the creature that are out all night while you're sleeping. It's the same thing with like the way they look at people when, when, when somebody goes to bed at eight, eight or nine o'clock, they wake up for work in the morning and there's somebody that, doesn't work in the morning that goes out at eight or nine o'clock and starts partying and they party till five or six in the morning, the night owls, you know what I mean? Those are, they look at those bad, those people as bad people because they're on a different schedule. You know what I mean? But, uh, I think, I think, I think it's all just kind of like that. I think it's kind of like a bad rap type deal with this bad omen and the owl thing. But I'll, go with the, I'll go with the bad rap because I'm sitting here and I'm looking up at the wall and I've got an, uh, actually, I got two of them, but I can see one of my owl feathers. I support owl. Like if I, I wouldn't mind actually having an owl, like for a pet, if that was even possible. That'd be cool. And they're they're very proper. There's something about an owl that's very like distinguished looking. Like they always have the vibe of these these smart higher class bird. This you know what I mean. This ancient. I know. Like, I know more than, you know what I mean? I know more than all other birds come to me for wisdom. They also know how, they know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, too, which is important. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the most important life hack right there. But, yeah, the Egyptians have interesting thing. I liked your comment on the trees. That's fun. Have you ever heard the Illuminati tie-in with the owls? You know, because they can see at night and all that. They can see when other things can't see. So, like, it's one of those uh, enlightened one type. That's why it's linked to the Illuminati. No, I haven't heard that before. Secret societies, if you will. Um, also, you know, it's funny. Right after I say I'd like to have one for a, a pet next up, an owl in your house brings death. Ain't that a good one? <laughs> also, an Italian superstition says that if an owl ends up in your house, someone in your family will die. 
very interesting. They are cool. I really like an owl. They got a great look to them, but I don't want nobody in my family dying. So uh, I'm going to have to pass up that offer. But what do you think of that? I could see that coming because they are, they are a creature of the night. They're a night creature of the darkness and coming into your house is bringing that darkness into your house. And uh, that's how people look at death as nothing but darkness. I could see a connection there where that might develop. I, I th- whenever I think of the, I think of an owl, I think of the grumpy cat, uh, cat where it's all like a grump, the pouty. It's that pouty face all the time. Um, yeah. It'd be difficult for an owl to find its way in your house, I assume, but who knows? I'm sure it's happened. If I found an owl in my house, I tell you the truth, it would probably end up staying in my house as the pet. The, the joke would be on that owl because it would fly into its future and never, it'd never be seen from its owl friends again. It would find itself into a cage imprisoned in my fucking house. Woo! It'd be like a big M. Night Shyamalan twist ending for that owl. You know what I mean? He thought he was coming in and telling me that uh, someone was going to pass off, and he ended up in a bird cage. Well, I can see also, if you go back far enough, again, medieval times, even if it was a castle or a house and stuff, a lot of them didn't have windows. Right. They might close a shutter over something uh, to keep the weather up. But a lot of it was open. They weren't houses as we know them now. So yeah. for something to fly in a window particularly if there's a uh, smell that it's attracted to, et cetera, probably wasn't that uncommon to get some type of bird or something coming in through your window. It's just the owl happened to be the creature of the night, the darkness, and that's the one that got the bad rap. Yeah, I'm big on the bad rap. Yeah, that's one of those things that as we as we do a lot of the debunking on this show and, you know, Behold the Pill podcast, there's a lot of bad rap in the world uh, that, 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 that you know, there's a lot of that. The bad rap is to blame to a lot of things of um, unexplainable and weird nature, and uh, you know, uh, throwing just you know, demonizing anything. You know, troublesome stuff. Um, now I got one for you. Right? Now none of us either knit. We're not knitting people, um, but knitting outside can prolong the winter. Uh, if you are in Iceland, keep the knitting inside, if you will. Um, there is local superstition that doing your needlework uh, on your doorstep will keep temperatures frigid. I think that means inside the house. If you keep, if you're on your doorstep with the door wide open, it'll, it'll do knitting, then it's going to be an, a cold interior house. That's my take. What's your take, Ray? I'd have to take a look at what were the ancient gods that they believed in, and the possibility that knitting outside was kind of an affront to them. And who, whatever God controlled the winter would see you knitting and would reward you with, you think you can get away with it? Here, here's some more fold. Keep knitting. Yeah, I mean, it could be something like that. It could be, you know, if you're knitting, that means it could be an excuse to knit. You know what I mean? We, we need to make more clothes. You're making more clothes because it's going to be colder. It could like uh, the chicken or the I, egg, which came first. Yep. And then it's just a cycle. Oh, you're making more clothes? Well, then I'm just going to make it colder for you. And it keeps on going around and around and around. You know, it's very possible that, you know, just that's what they would tell people if they needed more clothing made for next season. That's what they'd say. You know, a lot of those things, a lot of those cultures would go, hey, somebody's very angry at us. God or whatever they believe. Very, We need to do this. We need to do this better for them. And then hopefully we'll make them happy. It's a lot of trial and error back then, you know. 
I wonder how many years they 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 try of trial and error when they sacrifice people for crops and stuff. How where it started and how long it took to get to where it went. You know what I mean? Very interesting stuff. And what where where did where did sacrificing people to God come from? Is that in the Bible? Is there stuff like that in the Bible, like in, in a positive thing, or is it is it in there for negative things? Like, why would somebody think? And what what you know? That's probably a question for a different episode. But I'm very curious of where it, it came into the existence of humanity that killing people for God was like a good thing. I know in the Bible, they're not actually killed. The only thing I can think of is Abraham, and the test was, would he sacrifice his son or not? Yeah. And then he was, then he was stopped from doing it. Right. Other cultures, uh, you go to Central and South America particularly, um, you are offering up a life, and that life spirit, whether it be to a god or to nature, so that they would be satisfied or fed and keep the harvest coming in, keep the weather well, keep the weather good. You're making the ultimate sacrifice to that God, showing that you took them serious for the benefit of all the people. So one person would give up their life so that life would continue on for the others. That's very first Testament. Early uh, Testament. Uh... Yeah. Except that when you start going to Mayans and Aztecs and cutting hearts out and stuff, I don't know. That that's a little very much to the culture of the time. It's interesting. I don't know. I just never. I never. Um, I never found. I understand how like a twisted mind could say, "Okay, I'm taking this soul. I'm. 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 I, I'm. You know, taking this living presence out of the equation in the peak of its life for this thing." I can understand some, a delusional person thinking that that would give power to it, but I don't. But the. But the. The whole essence of how I'm going to kill, because I'd, I'd assume they think all life would come from their God. I So I don't understand how the killing of innocent people would be in a sane man's mind. But I, I'm fully aware that the world's run by more by insane men than sane men and women. So I, I, I agree. I, I don't see the logic behind it. I know that in the British Isles, um, you had the tradition of the wicker man. In yeah. building the big, the big wicker man, and at one time, if you go far enough back, they used to put somebody in it when they burned it. Hmm. So you have this big effigy there burning, and there'll be someone on the inside of it being burned to death. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just one culture; it pops up a- around the world. Yeah, that's truth. Um, Syria. Banned yo-yos in 1933 over fear that they would cause a drought. The jury is still out on fidget spinners. <laughs> so this thing's we. This comes off to me as you know, uh, yo-yos is far-fetched as I as this statement is going to sound. But yo-yos were almost probably, I feel like, the, maybe the cell phones of their time, where it was this this weird new toy that you could throw and it would spin and then come back up in your hand. I almost feel like kids would be zombied out to that, just not doing their chores, not paying attention to what they should be, just kind of yo-yoing, you know what I mean? And this was maybe a way of parents saying, you know, get these fucking yo-yos out of my kids' hands type deal. In the same way nowadays it would be like, 
the damn kids playing these video games, the damn playing these damn, you know what I mean? Whatever on his phone. I think it's almost like that. What do you think? I agree. I think it's more of a cultural thing at the time. The Yogios were an outside influence that came in strong yeah. and, uh, could have, like you just said, disrupted things as far as the children learning, school, maybe even just control of them because they were just uh, going crazy with them. So they pulled something out of their culture and uh, said, okay, this is a curse. You didn't realize that it's a curse, but we're going to have this bad thing happen. I think it's more of a control than anything else. I'm picturing at the time of this being a cool deal, I'm picturing kids sneaking off to the bathroom to yo-yo the way they would smoke cigarettes. I see kids in gym class or recess. In recess, it'd be cool, but like in gym class when they're supposed to be doing whatever, you know, off in the corner yo-yoing, you know, because at the time, in 1933, I don't know exactly when yo-yos popped on the scene, but I got to assume around that time. Um, Much like everything new, that kids really like, you know, society probably looks at it as a problem. You know what I mean? So I think that was kind of a way of just kind of being like, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should kind of pull back a little bit on this yo-yo thing. I think it's more of one of those. I agree. Uh, Yeah. Now, Ray, uh, the, the people, you know, there's superstition about not getting your haircut on a Tuesday. Um, in India, they believe this thing. Uh, it's actually bad luck to get it uh, cut on a Tuesday. What's your take on something like that? Uh, do not know what the culture is and what the day of the week is. Uh, signifies. What signifies yeah. what God it is ascribed to in the system of belief over there. Yeah. I know that currently uh, in the Western world, you go basically... A lot of the days of the week, you can trace them back to different Roman gods. Um, But in India, I don't know what's the structure there and what it makes it a holy day, good or bad, to cut your hair. Yeah, it's what I'm with you on that. It's a cultural thing that I can't really comment too much on because I don't know the significance to Tuesdays and, you know, the hair thing. And I can get the vibe of the hair thing in a way if you, I don't kind of really know it. Uh, India kind of their vibe on the body and what they think of the body if it's the temple and stuff like that and if they are if they do feel that way you know maybe the cutting of the hair is significant to like you know cutting off a a piece of your 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 body you know what I mean so it could have a whole big weird meaning to it you know what I mean like in America our culture to you cut your hair off it's it's like it's dead, you know what I mean? We don't think about it after it's gone. Maybe they still do, you know what I mean? So I can't really comment on it. No, I can't either. I noticed that, I know that in the past, yeah. if you go far enough back in Native American culture, the hair was left long because the hair being on the top of the head was part of a way that you connected the spirit. Yeah. And it wasn't just because, in, in many tribes, not all, but in in many tribes, so the hair was left long, not because they didn't have scissors or a way to cut it, but it was your help in your spiritual connection to spirit. Yeah, and the long hair was part of that. But India, I don't know. Yeah, I always the long hair, long beards. You know what I mean? It's always like, a, um, you know, it's almost like you. It, 
it grows out and it lives with you, you know, like an extension of you, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like people really, you know, the way they care about your beard when you have your beard and stuff like that, you know what I mean? They keep it up and you, know, you want to make it look good and keep it plushed and, you know, do however you do with it. And uh, I think it's along the same lines as that, you know what I mean? But uh, next up, um, giving flowers is not a nice gesture. Um, this is, this is, this is, this was said by, uh, a Russian man who forgot to get his wife flowers for her birthday. Um, the Russians th- believe that um, you're cursing your friend with infidelity if you give flowers. Interesting. Very weird. Hmm. What do you think of that, Ray? Give, give I, the- I, I think oh. in Russia on Valentine's Day, there's going to be a lot of chocolates going around. That's what I think. <laughs> did I say yellow flowers? Did I leave out yellow or did I say yellow flowers? You didn't say yellow. Oh, my apologies. Giving yellow flowers is not a nice gesture. Gifting yellow flowers in Russia means that you are cursing your friend with infidelity. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I said, yeah, you got the color deal. It goes back to the kind of the, the sending a friend scissors or a knife thing. You know what I mean? Well, I know the red flower is a passion. White flower is a purity. I don't know what yellow stands for. Yellow flowers remind me of that ghost story I had in my grandmother's house where uh, the yellow gloves and then I had had a vision, like a weird vibe of yellow flowers in my head. It made me think of maybe it was yellow flowers were like something he gave her. And and then like maybe Mother's Day was a yellow thing or something like that. But I, I catch it. Like the yellow flower, symbolic flowers are very symbolic for, for multiple things. So I can definitely get down with that. Uh, my, I don't give, if I have enemies with, if I'm enemies with people, I don't, I don't give them gifts of knives, scissors, flowers, or anything. You know what I mean? It's just kind of a wrap. <laughs> why give, why give, uh, why spend money on somebody you supposedly don't care about anymore? No mean, not mean up in here. Uh, next up, spilling water behind someone is a nice gesture. In Serbia, it's believed to bring good luck if you drip water behind a person. Dumping dumping it on them is flat out rude. Uh, but yeah, but dripping it uh, behind them is supposed to be a nice gesture of good luck. What's your take? Uh don't know. That's that's. I mean, a lot of these have been new to me. I'm trying to figure out symbolism of water. And I can't see why dripping behind them would be a good luck unless it's could be the dripping of the water is cleansing their That's path. What That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, cleaning out or cleansing the past so that they go into a new future or good luck. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm with you. That one's, that one's kind of a little, little uh, interesting. But the cleansing thing, I'd say, is the only thing that would make sense as far as uh, if you were to try th- throwing something on it. Um, next up, wedding bells ward off evil. This was said by every every lady looking to get married. Irish brides have been known to wear bells on their dresses to ward off evil spirits who might try to ruin their marriage, as opposed to relatives who have too many spirits. <laughs> you get it? That was an alcohol joke. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. So this wedding bells uh, on their thing, there's a lot of superstition that comes with weddings. You know, what was it? One Something new, something old. Uh, 
something current or whatever, however it goes. I don't know the rules. Sorry. Something Sorry. something new, something blue. Some of them rhyme. I'm not yeah. sure. What uh, Peter Piper picked. Yeah. The um so with this, yeah, there's a lot of superstition that plays into weddings. So yeah, I, I, I already right off the bat and go with this. Uh and it's 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 a day, it's the biggest day of a lot of people's lives. So there's a lot riding on it. So yeah, people are gonna be very superstitious on that day that things don't go uh, afoul. So for sure, I definitely get down with this. On that one there, I'm gonna go with the the bell aspect. Yeah. Uh, in many societies, traditionally, if you go back to Aboriginal yeah. and ancient societies, um, the medicine people, the healers, a lot of the people, they used bells. And they would use a bell-type sound uh, when they danced, when they healed. Uh, bells worldwide are used in a variety of different ways. The bells in a church announcing uh, prayer time or, or mass. The uh, Even over in, like in Tibet and stuff, you have, the, you have the circle things that you spin, but you also have bells. Bells have always been associated with good luck, with prayer. And among the ab- Aboriginal or older cultures, were driving away spirits because they cannot stand the sound of the bell. So that yeah. if you if you go into the Celtic cultures uh, and you go in, into the British Isles and originally a tribal system before you got into uh, the royal family, etc., very tribal area, then yeah, the bells would make sense that they would have that in there, that sound to drive away evil. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. You know what I mean? Um, there in Portugal, it's considered bad luck to walk backwards. Uh, the common belief is that if you do, you are showing the devil which way you're going. That uh, is almost a tongue twister to say and, and uh, think about. Um. Portugal is is big on the devil. I know that they're they're, they're very big on the devil. So, um, I know they would have a bunch of super. They're very superstitious folks too, and that's no jab at them. Amen, brother. Amen, darling. Um, but uh, yeah, so I definitely I can catch them believing this heavily. I um I I could catch myself walking backwards from time to time, like the backwards man and the Tom Green uh, Freddie Got Fingered film. But, um, yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't think I would, I would put faith into this one, but what do you think, Ray? Um, I don't know the idea of looking back or something sneaking up behind you, the devil. I don't know what the reason would be, but I could see that, uh, the back reverse. Yeah. I I could see that people would believe it, but I don't know what the significance beyond just the statement of it is. In Portugal, don't walk backwards is almost like if you see something, keep walking. Don't, 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 don't retrace your steps to go try and help or you will be killed. Sorry. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You will be killed. <laughs> the, uh, but I almost get that vibe of it. You know what I mean? Like, don't, you know, don't block, don't walk backwards. You'll see the devil. You know, it's almost like don't come back. It almost seems like a threat. You know what I mean, but that's just the vibe I catch out catch from the get go on it. I could be, uh, I could be the furthest thing from reality. But that was the vibe I caught when I read it. 
And I like to go with my vibes on this show and all the shows, you know. So that's my take. I think it's a little, uh, it's more something they were told. That maybe you should uh, keep walking. Maybe you should keep walking before the devil talks to you. You know what I mean? So then next, yeah? Nothing. Next up is a gigantically famous one, which is Don't Walk Under a Ladder. I think everybody's heard that glorious one. We're all fairly familiar with it, you know. Uh, But some may not know that the superstition dates back to the medieval times. The ladder back then symbolized the gallows where people were hanged. Um, That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Definitely don't want to walk under the gallows. I mean, the gallows, there had to be very few other places in medieval times that had that had some serious bad vibes to them you know what i mean was other than the gallows where you got you wrongfully accused and even the ones that were rightfully accused you know what i mean getting killed off in their before their time um where the gallows was was that usually in um like the town square so to speak because people would go watch it right yeah, it was a public event that usually be like in the town square or someplace the public could gather. You got to figure that would smell like terrible after a while. All that, the blood and the guts, you're hacking off somebody's head. You're getting more than blood in that trade off. You know what I mean? Um, you're getting an, an insane amount of blood as well as all the gore, that the, uh, the gore that comes with that. So, like, I, I assume, and, you know, there wasn't things as hoses back in the day. So, if anything, they're just dumping buckets of water on it, which I assume buckets of water weren't, you, you can't just go to the refrigerator and get a gallon of water. So, they might not want to dump out a bucket of water for blood. So, I assume that in uh, utensils, they don't have, they, they don't have you know, uh, restaurant and grocery store uh union folks that would come around making sure all your blades are properly sharpened and cleaned. So I, you, you probably catch, you know, Mario from three months, three months ago's blood hanging on the blade. that's about to chop your throat. You know, I get a vibe where it's terrible, smells terrible. Um, like a horrifying deal. I, I, the, I, I, the medieval time, I, I, I imagine to be just like living on one gigantic farm, one big farm. Smells like shit everywhere. You know what I mean? I can so, see that uh, the yeah. symbolism of the gallows, I mean, you know, why would anybody walk there to begin with? And it could be like only the guilty walk there. Uh, only the unlucky are brought to the gallows. And so, yeah, I could see the tie-in where it's bad luck. The ladder, the gallows, whether someone's head's cut off or they're hung or whatever it happens to be. It's like they're associating death with that ladder. So it's bad luck. Imagine if there was cell phones back then, how many selfies would be done at the gallows? (sighs) What a terrible world. But yeah, the the under the ladder bad luck thing is one of those huge ones. You know what I mean? Just like be wary of the full moon because the psychos and werewolves come out. Full moons are commonly associated with chaos. You know what I mean? Um, according to the bustle, it's popular superstition in hospitals. Uh, it's a popular superstition in hospitals. So I guess, you know, a lot of people pass out uh, into the other exist- existence during full moons. Makes sense, I guess. Just kind of one of those things. The full moon, I mean... Uh, 
you know, star wise, you know, we astrologically, we, we talk about that every now and then. And, uh, you know, we, we say that that stuff's important and actually plays a part into things. So yeah, I believe that definitely full moons do play a part into something, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I can't place a finger on that. Uh, or even a middle of the road, just, just existing thing, not even good or bad. Um, but definitely there. I feel what's your take, Ray? Well, most studies they've done on activity in emergency rooms and police reports, it's not significantly higher on the full moon. What they found is that people who work in different emergency services tend to notice it more if it's a full moon, if it's a busy night, and they'll say, oh, it's busy, must be a full moon. So it's partly an urban legend. Yeah, so kind of they have to have the busy night first, and then then they pay attention to the moon. Instead of just a, whoo, it's a full moon. Guess we're going to have a full, a busy night tonight, you know? So I'm down with that. Um, keeping with the, the, the paramedic thing you just brought up in a way, and the hospital stuff. Um, some people, you know, going to the hospital on a Wednesday, an old wives' tale states that the best day to go to the hospital is, in fact, hump day. So I guess going to the hospital is something you'd want to do on a Wednesday, not actually be worried about going on a Wednesday. Hmm. Uh, I don't think going in the hospital is ever good, <laughs> but I, I got I got what they're going for. Um, Wednesday, I mean, who's to say? I think that's more all in your head thing. That's like somebody just told their friend that, that was going in on a Wednesday that oh yeah, well it's going on a Wednesday. That's good luck, you know, right? And it just kind of spawned from there. I can see that. It's like one of those things or something a doctor, something a doc, doctors tell their patients or whatever. Um, but their doctors would probably tell them whatever day their surgery is going to be or whatever. Well, maybe the doctors were still fresh on Wednesday, but by Thursday or Friday, they were tired from the operation. So you didn't want to go in the end of the yeah. week. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> um, don't say the same word at the same time as your friend. Uh, we know that as a jinx type situation. But according to the local uh, in Italy, if you say the same word as someone in unison, you'll never get married. Uh, to undo this bad juju, you must immediately touch your nose. That sounds like uh, a game for a th- three and a half year old. I'm going to say that that ain't real. I'm going to say not real, but I do know one thing. If I ever meet somebody, I, I don't. Well, I'm already married, but if I were single, I haven't met anybody. I'd make sure I try and pick up the same word as them just to make sure I don't end up with them. But, but yeah, that's a game. Sounds like a game. Yeah, it's a game. I think it's a crazy madness. Um, next up, avoid broken mirrors. That's a popular one. Matthew Hudson, science writer and author of Seven Laws of Magical Thinking, explained to goodhousekeeping.com that we pay attention when material is dangerous or deadly, claiming it's better to recognize a stick as a snake than a snake as a stick. So it makes sense that you'd remember the cautionary legend, avoid broken mirrors. You wouldn't want seven years bad luck. That makes sense. Now, he had a good argument that where it was just kind of, it was a way to keep kids away from things that would hurt them. That actually is a really good point. What do you think? I agree to be careful around the mirrors because if they do break, you can cut yourself. All this can happen, particularly if, like you just said, you were warning, you're warning the kids about it. 
Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, all, it makes sense. Next one up, uh, a subject we've talked about in our um, oozing machismo. Machimios, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the evil eye, our evil episode, our evil eye episode. Protect yourself against the evil eye. Um, the evil eye, a human look be, uh, believed to cause supernatural harm, is well known symbol of bad fortune, according to live science. It can be cast on people or even objects like your car or home. There are a number of talismans in many cultures created to ward off this curse. Uh, we don't really have to go too deep into this. We are believers in this. And um, check out the Evil Eye episode in season one if anybody wants to learn more about uh, the Evil Eye situation. Um, don't sing at the dinner table. Um, scary because a lot of people sing happy birthdays and such at dinner tables. Um, they can't record it or they'd have to pay for the royalties to it. This is something else you shouldn't do during your evening supper. Apparently in the Netherlands, singing your favorite tune means you're singing to the devil for your food. What do you, what's your take on that? Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's the flip side of people saying grace. You're supposed to be thankful to the divine for the meal. The singing, you're making light of it so that therefore you're making light of the divine and inviting the devil. I, I, uh, you know, I assume that that would be praise in general singing. You know, I have the, see, I have the, with comes the prayer. I have different, I don't feel you need to cross your hands. I think you can just talk to God like a conversation. If you're going to talk to him, you know what I mean? Um, in the same sense like this, if you're going to prayer or if you're going to sing a song, if your favorite song, I, I see that would be both be positive things. I wonder why they flipped it and put the whole take on it, it automatically thinking it had to be the devil for being. And I know what you're what you what you just said is that, you know it's the complete opposite of a prayer, so they take it as the complete opposite of God. So I, I get I get that actually, but yeah, I think this is kind of bogus. I think uh, I think unless you if you're singing something your favorite song. That's a positive thing. I think I, I would take that as some, uh, more of a praise uh, than a negative thing. Um, but, but I guess it all depends on what's in your heart. Your heart. You know. um, next up, did you have any opinion on that anymore? I know you had a little on that more. No, not, not on that. Somebody uh, kind of created that to try and pit, go against evil using whether it be prayer and I'm curious uh, how far back that goes. Um, yeah. That it's more of a medieval type of thing. Yeah. Uh, next up, don't sit at the corner of the table. Another act causing you to uh, be barren in the marriage department, sitting at the corner of a dinner table. So if you sit at the corner of a dinner table, but you know what? I think that's just because like the people that are kind of maybe the most socially awkward will sit in the corner so they don't have to deal with anybody. So it's kind of just a judge of character in a way with that. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any logic for that, that at all. As, as far as being barons or sitting at the corner, I got no, no idea. It's very, logic. yeah, very weird. It's very judge of character type deal. Cause if you see, if you're at a bar or whatever and you see a dude that's in, in the corner, just drinking a beer and not talking to anybody, not communicating. You could take a good assumption that that person might be a little, uh, have trouble talking to people. And if somebody has trouble talking to people, 
then right there you can say that there might be an issue with them actually linking up with somebody. You know what I mean? So it's kind of just kind of doing the math a little bit, I feel. Yeah. Um, don't wear red during a storm. In the Philippines, it's believed that the color red attracts lightning, and it's a shame because red's a beautiful color. I know they also say this about red cars. Shouldn't have a red car because they're more likely to get hit. I've heard that before, um, which makes more sense than the dress wearing. I don't really think that um, the color of what you're wearing will get you. I, if you're holding an umbrella or something like that or a rod, you know, something that attracts the electricity, then, yeah, you're going to get zapped. But I don't think a color would get you zapped. I, I do believe more of you riding in a red car, the idea that it makes people angry or whatever the take is, why they think you're more likely to get hit. Um, but I think that's more possible than just wearing a red dress or wearing red anything, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what red, I would have to understand what red means in the Philippines because I don't see why a color would actually make any difference. I mean, the car thing, um, yeah, they come up with all sorts of excuses. Uh, red is an aggressive color. If you get a red car, you drive more aggressively. They come up with reasons for it, but, you know, lightning strikes. I don't know. That, that would mean if you go to the Philippines that you don't wear red clothes, you don't have red cars, don't paint yeah, your house yeah. red. Don't, I don't know what's behind it. Yeah. Sure. You know, red, maybe, you know, if people to go back to the people that are a little weird, maybe if somebody painted their, uh, their home red, they might say they're crazy. You know what I mean? They're, 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 they're that, they're that person that would be in the corner of the bar. You know what I mean? Um, there's a weird one. Say rabbit, rabbit every month. Saying rabbit, rabbit, or white rabbit on the first day of every month ensures good luck for that month. A common belief in Britain and North America. Back to the 600 BC, rabbits were thought to communicate with the spirits of the underworld because they lived underground. A rabbit's foot is also popularly thought to bring good luck. You know what I mean? Which we all know the lucky rabbit's foot, of course, which is for superstition. I have a lucky rabbit's foot on my backpack. But it's only because I got it when I was like seven at the arcade. Well, that may be that may be lucky for you, but it wasn't for the rabbit. Yeah, unfortunately, but I did pay off his family after the fact. I can understand why the connection to the underground, the spirit world. Yeah, you go you go that far back, you can see where they got it, and yeah, they just kept perpetuating it. It just went on and on. They held on to an older belief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, what I think, you know, more killing for luck. Interesting stuff. Um, uh, don't enter a room with your left foot. In Spain, walking into a room with your left foot will bring you bad luck. It's always better to enter or leave with your right foot. I think that goes back to the right and wrong thing again. Right and wrong, left and right. I never yeah. pay attention what foot I'm entering the room with. It's whatever one is more convenient. In my stride. Just be happy you can enter a room on both feet. That's it. Next up, don't open umbrellas indoors. According to the superstition, if you open up an umbrella before your head, you head outside, bad luck will rain on you. Uh, there are some, some, huh? There are some who say this belief came from the early Egyptians, back to the Egyptians, while others say it came from the British in the 18th century when waterproof umbrellas 
uh, with metal spokes and large circumference would cause injury if opened inside a home. That makes sense. Plus, uh, this almost feels like a parental thing where kids open up an umbrella and break stuff in the house, like like it just said, but more of a kid's doing it, and parents go, well, you're going to catch yourself some bad luck and a beating. You do that again. I can see, like, you know, if, if you're talking about what they what they're talking about back in Britain. Yeah. I mean, yeah, conservative umbrella would be around the size of what they call a golf umbrella now, which is huge. Like a beach umbrella. Yeah, and if you you take a look at the houses and the buildings of that time, I don't know if you've seen many British TV shows. Yeah. But you get the low ceilings and the smaller rooms. And, yeah, if you're taking this huge umbrella and popping it open in the house and it's got all these metal pots might still be wet from the last time. Uh, might oh, be bad no. luck. Yeah. Imagine that flipping water everywhere. And yeah, it just became a, it became a rule to, to try and scare people into not doing it because yeah. people were foolish. I'm with that. I think it's a kid thing. I think it's a the parents telling kids not to do it situation. No doubt. Are you familiar with eating grapes on New Year's Eve? Also in Spain, instead of kissing someone at midnight to celebrate the New Year, they're encouraged to eat 12 grapes, one after the other, for good luck. I know of people drinking grapes. There's a lot of drinking grapes going on on New Year's Eve, but the eating of 12 grapes I don't vibe with. Um, Each grape, I assume, is a month of the year, Um, and they just kind of digest what is, you know, they kind of consume what was last year or consume what is to be next year. Um, what's your take? Uh, no clue on where, why that one <laughs> and why, why they chose grapes. I have no idea. I can, like you, make the connection between 12 grapes and 12 months. But beyond that, why they pick grapes and not something else, I don't know. They're so when they're when they're good, they're they're so they're so good. But when they go bad, they're so sour. Maybe they're kind of like humans if you think about it. They when you know they come into being, they have a good life, or they're juicy and plump. They start to get wrinkled and then they rot. You know, it's it's, it's unfortunately the circle of life within a group. But I guess all everything does that. So the the the, the grape would have no um, ties. Here's one for you. Hide your thumbs when passing a graveyard. People tend to hold their breath when they pass cemeteries, but in Japan, um, I'd never hold my breath. I don't know what that's all about. But in Japan, you must tuck your thumbs in to protect your parents. Um, The Japanese word for thumb translates as parent finger. So hiding it protects them from death. Interesting. Um, nobody wants their parents to pass, you know what I mean? So like, I, I could definitely see the huge gigantic fear of that. Um, and in a superstitious culture, then yeah, of course you're going to, that would kind of make sense to protect, to put your thumbs in to protect them. You know what I mean? What do you think, Ray? Um, if that's with that belief in what the thumbs symbolizes, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a good tradition for that country and for that culture. Yeah, to, to try and protect them from death. Uh, also, if you are 
you know, you are an adult and your parents are still alive, then obviously your parents are of an advanced age. We're going back to the whole age thing. And to protect them so the death doesn't take them sooner than uh, you'd like, you hide the thumb. Yeah. People think uh, awkward silences. People think that when you have an awkward silence, it's an angel passing over. Kind of an interesting take. That's one I never heard of. Yeah. Maybe it's stilling the uh, mouths that are babbling useless stuff. Yeah. It has that vibe of, like, uh, time stopping, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Don't step on a manhole. We all know the phrase, step on a crack, break your mama's back. But in Sweden, you have to watch for manholes. If you step on with the letter A, this will bring you a broken heart and bad luck. Now, if you, which one brings out the Ninja Turtles is what I want to know. So this is more crazy superstition to go with. It's, it's brother or sister superstition of step on a crack, break your mama back thing. Um, but I do, yeah, there, there, there's also the, the falling through. I think the superstition is, stems from, if I remember correctly, there was a stint where people were actually falling through manholes and dying. Like it was an issue. Um, and if that was the case, which I think it is, I could definitely see parents or, or grandparents or whoever saying, don't step on manholes, you'll fall through. And that eventually turning into something. Like, I think all these super, a lot of these superstitions are mainly just parent, parents or parental figures, you know, scaring them into doing what they want them to do. Um, or political, you know, even, you know, even parental figure is a a governmental parental figure type deal in certain of the situations. But what's your take on this manhole thing, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was basically something where you had problems, people falling through. So they came up with a warning or the meme of the day saying, don't do it. Yeah. And that's it. I'm with that. Uh, next up, don't trim your nails at night. Uh, I hope there's, I've been a culprit of this myself, so I hope it's not a real issue. But many cultures believe that cutting your nails after the sun goes down is a big negatory. Um, one Japanese superstition states that it can cause premature death. I think that goes back to that hair thing with, you know, even though you're discard, you're discarding what used to be a part of you, like living material. I think that that, I think that, I think the clipping of those materials, there's a sacredness to that where you're cutting from oneself, so to speak, like you're cutting them. You are cutting a piece of yourself away, but like almost in a bigger, spiritually bigger, you know what I mean? Almost. I think they look at it that way. So I don't know what the night has to go into it. Maybe because of the darkness, the dark and light type situation. I'm sure that plays a part into it. But as far as, you know, what, you know, other than that, I don't know what else it would do. What's your take on this one, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to go back to, and uh, when you're talking about the, like the hair and now you got the nails and you start talking about uh, body parts. And if you start looking at, different cultures you also have where um, you you can take something from somebody yeah. and 
what you can do is you can use that because it still has some of the essence of the person to gain power over them and gain control over them. So anytime you have a superstition that's having to do with some some part of you, like a tripping the nails at night, trimming the nails in the darkness, the darkness yeah, yeah. get control o- over you. So yeah, body parts, time of day, I can see where that might develop in certain cultures. It's an interesting vibe, but yeah, I do think that that discarding of what used to be a part of your you, um, you know what? What um, do you know what these this culture believes in? You know what when you when you pass, like Japanese. What do the Japanese do to the in a wake situation after death? What do they? How do they handle? Do you know what how they handle that whole procedure? Uh, no, I get no idea on. Uh what their views on death and have to like, at least, the, or what the procedures are, what the yeah, ceremonies yeah. are associated. I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to, uh, to see how they, you know, treat the body and stuff. You know what I mean? Cause I, I almost get the vibe like they, they, you know, the, we talk about, I was just, you know, dirty clothes, Ray's ready to throw his dirty clothes in the hamper whenever he gets a chance. But, but I think that other cultures might, um, almost have more, not say more respect for their body, but you know what I mean? Like have more of a connection, if you will, even after the soul's left. Well, there, there are those that do. Um, I don't know if it's the Philippines, Malaysia, one of those countries over there where yeah. they uh, keep the body in the house for a right. long time. So, yeah, it depends upon the, the culture and the connection they have to the body. But like I said, I mean, to, to perform a curse, if you want to curse somebody, um, you know, nail clippings would be perfect, or a piece of hair, the old voodoo doll idea, or uh, you destroy that object, you destroy the person. And this whole, your energy, your essence stays connected to uh, your body after these pieces are gone. So, yeah, I could, I could, I could see where they're, they're making that tie in very easily. We mourn you long time, baby. <laughs> um, throw salt over your shoulder if you spill it. That's a very popular one too. The salt over the shoulder trick. Salt plays a part in a bunch of different kind of um, supernatural uh, events. You know what I mean? But this one goes: We have all had that one friend who can't help himself, or may you know. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Bustle reports that long ago salt was used as currency. Uh, it was how Roman soldiers were paid. Interesting. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew it. I knew its value, and I knew a bit about that too. How valuable it was, and uh, yeah, uh-huh. if you spill it, it's like throwing money away. So, uh-huh. uh, throwing it over your shoulders is kind of like bring that luck back to you to counteract that bad act of, of spilling. Again, that's very counteractive. Like, why? Why would you kill human life for God? That you know, why? Why would you throw salt over your shoulder if it was so valuable? You know what I mean? Weird. Um, but that's yeah, inter- the, the currency of salt. We should do an episode of Behold on that. That's interesting. But salt, uh, all, salt yeah. also, and we covered it in the past. Salt is also used, for instance, you can put salt uh, on the window sills in the yeah. doorways to keep yeah. evil out. So it's a possibility that you just spill this ultra valuable thing, uh, as good as money, 
that and now in order to keep bad luck away you took a little bit of that and threw it behind you to maybe put the bad luck behind you and protect you maybe it was the salt was protecting you when you threw it over your shoulder well in the sense of that was it also a, 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 like a donation or a gift because it was so valuable you think that played anything into it i do i i really think so yeah okay yeah yeah, there's a thin line there when you're giving gifts to the other side. You gotta be careful. Um, don't chew gum at night. Yikes. Uh, in Turkey, chewing gum at night is apparently the equivalent of chewing on the flesh of the dead. Excuse moi? That's wild. I don't know if I even believe that. That's how outrageous that sounds. Um, but maybe it's because they care about their haircut and they don't want to get hair and the, the gum in their hair while they sleep. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to leave that one there. I got no idea. That's interesting, though. Um, I, the way they went so extreme with it to the equivalent of chewing dead flesh is uh, makes me feel like there's a little bit of Hollywood up in there. There's a little glamorizing of some exaggeration. I can see them saying. You know, anybody that's ever f- fell asleep with gum in their mouth, um, two things can happen that are bad. One, you die. You choke on it and die. And two, somehow it ends up in your hair, which I've seen. And that's a horrifying deal. Like that, that you know, getting it. I've never had it done, but I've seen the after effects of it. And... uh it's an ugly sight. So, like, maybe it's it's more old, you know, parents telling their kids not to, you know, chew gum and then end up in their hair and shit or choke and die on it. You know what I mean? Um, turkey. I don't really. I'm not really too familiar with Turkey's culture and how they how they jive and how you know with things over there. How how strict they are on certain things. Um, but I think this is probably a little bit of. Um, just scary, scary, and you know, but it's weird that they that's how they kind of quit, you know, they that's what they consider it, the equivalent to chewing on flesh of the dead. I can't even wrap my head around trying to compare those two things. I, I'm having trouble, I'm having trouble. I'm moving on, I'm moving on, Ray. I can't, I can't comprehend. <laughs> um, don't jump over a child. Uh, Another thing you shouldn't do in Turkey, jumping over a child, uh, doing this will curse them to be short forever. Um, I think they're they're, 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 they're overlooking the bigger problem of that is them not having a chance of getting older by whoever jumping over them, landing on them and killing them. Um, That just the other when my with my niece and nephews, my youngest nephew, uh, when my my oldest niece and nephews got him up on his shoulders and stuff, I go, be careful, be careful, be careful. Um, And I get all creeped out by it. Um, And if they were jumping over him, I would be uh, even creeped out by more. You lose your footing, one false wrong move and. You come down on them, it's curtains, you know what I mean? So this this is another one of those ones where I feel like it's probably just a parent saying, don't don't jump over your brother, you know what I mean? One of those things. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I was something that uh, parents, let's say parents, didn't like, and they start creating this legend about it. Well, you know, you, you keep doing that, not only might they get hurt, but they'll never grow. they'll never grow up. It's your fault. Guilt is big. 
guilt, guilt's a big thing with kids, you know, um, certain kids, I guess, but, you know, it's really like a, 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 like weird psychological tactic right there too, where it's not like, we're not going to punish you, but do you really want to be responsible for ruining, ruining your sister's life or something like that? You know what I mean? So it's like a, it's not discipline, but it's a weird psychological discipline. It's probably more damaging in the long haul. Um, you know, because they kind of play off of their guilt of what could be. You know what I mean? But maybe it was last resort effort, ditch efforts. Um, don't kiss a baby on the lips. You know what I mean? Unless you're some Hollywood people we've heard about in, in recent events. But if you plant one on a baby in Nigeria, legend says you'll condemn them to spend their entire adult lives drooling. Interesting. <laughs> that's a um because you blow them i don't know blow their mind i don't know mind apart i i had to finish that phrase i, st- I stopped myself twice and i said i can't stop going because they're gonna blow you blow you i can't stop a phrase like that we're talking about kids i gotta go forward blow your mind apart with the fact that you kissed them um this is a weird one. In Nigeria, legend says you'll be condemned to spend the entire adult lives drooling. Um, I think that's more of a don't kiss my baby deal. That's more, I don't want you kissing my baby. I'm not a parent, but if I was a parent, uh, and Ray, you could probably back this up. There's, very, there's probably maybe a handful of people I would want kissing my kid on the lips. You know what I mean? What's your vibe with that? Um, whenever I see, like, I don't even know if, you know, like, uh, you'll see weird thing, like, uh, like someone doesn't really know it or something, maybe step in and give it the kiss, kid, you know, a little too, little too much. And I think it's okay because it's a kid, you know what I mean? But I've seen people attempt to kiss kids on the mouse before that I, I, I've thought to myself, I think you're overstepping a little bit, like, uh, kissing a kid on the mouth. I like I don't I'd maybe kiss my kid on the mouth maybe and like if if one of my nieces or nephew came up and they gave me a kiss on the lips I'd take it you know what I mean and but I wouldn't go kissing them on the lips I think that's a little weird you know what I mean um yeah I don't know so yeah definitely folks it's definitely a good one for like if you have second cousins or your neighbor or some goo some weirdo that he wants to kiss your kid. It's the first kiss is the, you know, the, this is the first thing you say is this. I was the first kiss is the best. <laughs> so the, um, you first just say this and the second time you bring it up, you got to kill him. That's how it goes. So this is the warning of, yeah, you know, I don't want you kissing my kid. It'll be short. And then the second one is you just like taking the back of the head off of the 12 gauge shotgun. You know what I mean? It's a horrifying story, right? That's what they say. And they and when they're bleeding out, they go, "What'd you learn today? Don't kiss a baby on the lips." It's dark times. Dark times. Uh, call for dark discussions. Uh, I don't see. I don't see any reason to kiss a child on the lips. I don't see any reason to have to make up an excuse or a legend to stop somebody. Yeah. Except, except just saying stop. And that's you think, it. Do you think this was this was um, a? like a way to keep pedophiles away like in the beginning like in early earlier times well it's kind of like oh you're a child kisser yeah exactly which that's why i want to start calling alex hawk hey you're a child kisser 
That's a good You'll, uh, We'll be able to spot you later. We'll be able to spot you because, uh, oh, wait, was the child the one that was dribbling all the time? They'll grow up that way. Okay, I got that wrong. But no, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That thing is just like, as far as I'm concerned, 100%, leave kids alone. In closing, for, yeah. If me and Ray ever seen you kissing a kid, you'll be you'll be drooling through your adult life too. We'll put it that way. We don't we don't stand for that shit unless it's your nope. own kid. You're super close. Don't be a pedophile. Um, carrying an acorn to stay forever young. Women in ancient Britain often uh, kept acorns in their pockets to ensure youthful complexion. Um, superstition. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, that has to do, that has to tie in with the old gods and the trees and the power of life. Uh, that's where that superstition came from. Yeah, for shizzle. For shizzle, for shizzle. Um, next up, don't let your purse touch the floor. In Brazil, putting your purse or wallet on the floor means you'll become penniless. So even if you packed your whole closet in your tote, you better keep that off the flow. Um, for shizzle. So don't let you, I can, I can almost see the superstition in that. It makes sense. Like of the, the thought of it. I think it's more just, uh, you know, parents, uh, whoever not wanting to let their, their bag or their garment or whatever drag on the floor and have to buy another one. You know, you know, if your kids, I, I immediately thought of backpacks and a kid walking around, dragging his backpack on the ground and getting all scuffed up and will eventually rip. So I almost, I took that approach of the, the parental thing right from the get-go. Um, and in the same sense of that, you know, the, the, you you tell kids this, they're going to grow up and they're going to be adults saying it too. So that's how you get from the from the backpacks to the purses and wallets. You know what I mean? That's the, the jump. It's just one of those things you you kind of get buried into your head and then, and then, then next thing you know, you're a 70-year-old person going... Telling your grandkid, don't don't let your purse hit the ground because then you lose money because it's been buried into your head. You know what I mean? What's your take, Ray? Well, depending upon how far back that goes, uh, when they say bag, I don't know what they mean by bag. But there was a time where people, when they did travel around, um, basically they kept a lot of their valuables with them. Right. And you could lose it all if you put it down, stolen, hole in the bag, whatever it may happen to be. I could see a reason that uh, they might say that as a cautionary thing to get people to, you know, like keep it in sight. I mean, even even now, um, if a woman has a pocketbook and she goes into a restaurant, just cleanliness alone, you don't want to put it on the floor. Right. And you usually want to keep it like uh, on the chair or somewhere where you can see it or, and uh, watch over it so someone doesn't uh, pick something out of it or steal it. Yeah, I mean, depending when, when it was made and what we're talking about, the materials might not have been that good. And anything, you know, sliding on the floor will eventually is going to wear out, rip. And like you said, if they're carrying their, 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 you know, their regular possessions traveling or if they're just going for a day trip or whatever, you know, if that bag you're keeping all your stuff in rips – now you're back to square one and you can only take what you can carry. And hopefully you can carry what you want because what you can't carry, you're going to have to cut ties with that stuff. You're going to have to send that stuff some scissors because it ain't coming with you no more. Sad days. 
Um, the wear of unlucky animals, Ray. According to U.S. News, people in Ireland and Scotland believe seeing a single magpie, which is a bird, is bad luck. Uh, for South Koreans, the bird with the worst mojo is the crow. For the record, we don't believe uh, anyone should discriminate against animals here at Mostly Ghostly. Um, superstitions are like like buttholes. Everybody has one. You know what I mean? Don't take it out on any other living people. Um, of course, we have things like unlucky numbers, like 13 and stuff. People don't know about that. You know, Friday 13th is draped with bad vibes. Um, this Houston, uh, Hudson states, even if people say that they don't believe, they might expect bad things to happen on some level of these days. We also commonly fear 666, the devil's number, or that mark of the beast, number of the beast. But didn't you know that China... The number, the number four is feared because it sounds very close to the Chinese word for death, like we talked about earlier. You know what I mean? And it's not Friday the 13th. Italians dread Friday the 17th as their, uh, their cursed time, which is interesting because, you know, in certain, I want to say in the Christian religion, belief 17 is kind of a positive number. So it's kind of an interesting take on that. Um, you should never tempt your fate. You know, in Cuba, if you declare that it's uh, El Ultimo, or your last drink, then you're tempting fate and death will shortly follow you. Uh, to avoid tempting fate, it is common superstition among the public. Uh, for instance, one might ref refrain from stating, I never had cancer. And if they did, they'd likely proceed to knock on wood. Yeah. So superstitious, you know, got all that superstitious stuff. Um, this is an interesting one. Avoid sleeping with fans on. I really enjoy sleeping with the fan on if I don't get the AC or a nice cool room. Um, many South Koreans also do not sleep with fans running in closed rooms. If they do, it's believed to be fatal. Uh, to combat fan death, legends say to leave windows open. Um, I don't exactly know what fan death is. And uh, we'll leave that at that, I guess. You know what I mean? I mean, they, yeah, you got a bad joke in that one. I'm not going there. I was, I had a couple bad jokes pop in my head, and I said, I'm not going to go. I said, the, the episode's yeah. long enough. I'm not going to go there. Uh, uh, not, uh, yeah. Uh, quickly. Yeah. Crows in a Native American escort the spirit into the spirit world when a person dies. I like that. Friday the 13th was the day that all of the uh, Templar Knights were all killed Yep, by, by the uh, French King and the Pope. Mm -hmm. And the number 666, if you use the old Hebrew translation and numerology, it's actually the name of Nero, who was a big persecutor of Christians, burned Rome down, and he was considered the devil at that time. You think he was the Antichrist? Uh, they may have viewed him as that at that time. Do you think there's multiple antichrists or just one? Uh, evil's stubborn enough to keep tr keep trying, but it fails each time. Yeah, I feel I believe in that. I feel like there, you know, just like there might there, it's very quite possible that there's been other people sent on uh, from the good side and the bad side through multiple times that may have been accused of not being what they were, or maybe they weren't what they were. But um, I feel like it's possible that. You know, all these, all the biblical people that we kind of learn about and, and such, 
it's possible that there was more versions of them throughout the whole existence of time, you know. Otherwise, you're leaving out a lot of time of just nothing happening. Um, knock on wood. Knocking on wood naturally is one of the most prevalent superstitions people talk about. And even as an atheist um, and, and, and skeptic uh, that Hudson was, who, you know, one of the guys we, we was, uh, we got some of the article stuff from, um, you know, he believes still, does he, this, that guy, even though he's a skeptic, still doesn't knock on wood. I mean, still knocks on wood. Um, now the whole knocking on wood thing, what is that like? You knock on wood because you don't want to jinx something? Like if you say something and you want it to be happen, you knock on wood? I never really uh, followed up with that one. Well, that, that goes back to the, uh, you know, you, you say something, well, that never happened to me, knock on wood. Right. Kind of like that is so that uh, you stay lucky. Yeah. And oh. it, so it doesn't happen to you. Yeah, and that's that's I I once knew where that came from. I'm rocking my mind, but I can't think about it right now. There were several stories of where that knock on wood came from, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. It was either on a tree or on a table. That's my guess with the wood, as far as wood goes. Well, hey, that wraps up our episode on superstition. You know, we thought this would be a cool one to dive into with y'all. We got a nice two-hour lengthy episode with you guys pretty much. Uh, maybe a little less. Don't be uh, discouraged if you're looking at the time clock now and it's not two hours long. Um, but you got it all. You got your fulfill of the ghostly. Ray, would you like to say anything in closing about superstition? Uh, if you're comfortable with it, go with it. I personally don't believe in most of them. Yeah. I think you you make your own luck, but uh, you're gonna have to follow your own belief system. It's truth. Yeah, I'm with you. Superstition is one of those things. Um, a lot of them felt like they were just kind of um, parental or guide people trying to get other people to do things that they. A lot of them sounded like manipulation, is what I'll just I'll put it like that. Um, but there was some interesting stuff tied in that would make sense. So, but yeah, like I said, each culture is different. It, so it all depends on kind of what your own, your opinion is. So much like everything. So get out there and find out what you need to be superstitious of, I guess. I don't know. Now, nah, don't be superstitious of anything. Do you be happy, be nice, love life. You know what I mean? All right. Well, with that being said, we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.